And there you hear it, folks. Albert Pujols joining exclusive elite company last night, becoming just the fourth member of the 700 home run club as he clubbed his second homer of the game to go along with five RBIs and the 11-0 victory for the Cardinals over the Dodgers. Not only did Albert Pujols become the fourth member of the 700 home run club last night, he also became just the second player in Major League history joining Henry Hank Aaron as the only two players with 3,000 hits and 700 home runs in the history, in the 150-plus year history of Major League Baseball. Congratulations to Albert Pujols, the machine, a surefire first ballot Hall of Fame player on his 700th home run last night. Zach, is he, when he gets into the Hall of Fame, is he unanimous? Oh, he has to be. There's no question about it, I think. I, I think he's going to be, for sure, one of the most underappreciated players. We'll look back on, on the guy in 10 or 15 years and say, yeah, you know, maybe those years with the Angels and that long-term contract weren't the best thing in the world, but man, I mean, with the Cardinals, that guy was a yearly MVP candidate. I mean, 2010, 2011, a little bit before he came over to the Angels. And I, can't, I, I think it was 2012 he was, he it, came that was over. his first year. 2012, yeah. right. I mean, those years were unreal. And you look at, you know, all, all his MVP years. I mean, the guys won two World Series. I don't think you can really say he isn't unanimous. I mean, 700 home runs, that's elite company. There's just not mm-hmm. that many guys who have done that. Uh, he's an incredible talent, an incredible player. Yeah. Came up as a third baseman. Yeah. Um, played some outfield. I think yep. he played center field once or twice. It's like Miggy. I mean, Miggy yeah. did the same thing, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was j- just an unbelievable talent. I remember him coming up in 2001 because it was Ripken's last year, and so it was, it was Ripken's farewell tour. And you were just you were just a young pup. You were I, I was. You were was. Uh, you were just a, a, a little baby boy, a little baby boy, Zach Goodman. <laughs> and uh, I remember Ripken's farewell tour, and I remember kept seeing these Albert Pujols highlights. I'm like, who the hell is Albert yeah. Pujols? Yeah, a monster, the machine, 700 home run club member, 3,000 hit yeah. club member, and future first ballot Hall of Famer. Congrats to Albert Pujols yeah. and the St. Louis Cardinals uh, on this historic event last night. You know. It has to be a pretty big freaking deal if it bumps an Orioles player, Mm. if it bumps a Dean Kramer complete game. I don't know what is going on here. (laughs) I hear... I don't a machine I, in I don't, the background. I don't know what that is. I, I hear Albert Pujols in the background. I believe. The, yeah. I, I hear the machine uh, in the I, background. I'm going to say it's outside. I, I think that's my no, guess. No, it's definitely from in here. It's it is. From, right, well, it, it's from a computer or something like that. This computer's making a little bit of... It, it sounds like it's going to take off over here. So maybe it's the fans. That, I don't know. That's, that, prob- that's probably that's what it is. That's got to be what it is. But I digress. Today's show, The Bat Around, with, featuring yours truly, Paul Valley, and my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman, is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. You can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. I'm sure there were a number of people in the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, watching Albert Pujols as he made history last 
Nice. I wonder. I, I'm assuming Zach Hampel was there trying to catch the ball, but that that would be. Interesting. I don't know who the hell that is. Really, the the, the foul ball guy. The ah, guy screw, was screw, like, screw that guy. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. But anyway, uh, who's the foul? There's a guy known call, as a foul yeah, ball guy. Zach, Zach Hampel. He has like over like 10,000 baseballs. He tries to catch them all. People hate the guy. Like he's one of the most hated ber- baseball personalities there is. I think he may have moved into my section when I was at really? the Nationals Orioles uh, game probably a right. week or so ago. Yeah, he caught a Rod's 3,000th. Um, you know he. He's done. Is he from around here? No, New Yorker guy. Oh, well, he's a New, the, New never Yorker. mind. Never no, he the, goes the, around all the stadiums. Though. Yeah, but this guy was wearing Orioles stuff. Mm, it's possible. Uh, it's possible. Uh, people seem to know that he was there just to catch a home run or something. Yeah, so. it's probably him. Anywho, Orioles <laughs> last night. By the way, Glenn. When I was doing Glenn Clark Radio, he wrote a um, a live read for me to do uh, for one of our breaks, mm-hmm. right? And I was in the live read. I was saying something, and then I go, "Any hoodle." Yeah, and I, I remember said, that. And I remember I, that. And I said to Glenn, "I have never said any hoodle in my entire life." He goes, "Just go with it." So I do it. I say any hoodle pretty frequently now. <laughs> any hoodle. That's a, that's a thing that happens. You start saying it once, and you Become, or you you pick up on things that other people say. Because so. part of I, would, I used to say goodbye to people, and I would say so long, like as a, as a joke, because people don't say <laughs> so long anymore. Right. Right. And then I said it so much, it just became part. I actually just realized I haven't said it in a really long time, but for like a, two years, I said so long a lot. Instead of see ya, you should be like so long at the end of the show. So know. long, everybody. <laughs> see ya. So long. Anyway. Guys, don't leave. The, the show just started. We got the, we're six not, minutes in. We're six six minutes. Gosh, it feels like two. It does. Time flies when you're having fun. Orioles go out and beat the Astros six to nothing last night. It is their fourth win in five tries against the Astros this year. They win, they win the season series for the first time since 2014. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. The Mariners <laughs> lost last night. Two the Orioles are just three games back, four games back technically, because the Mariners won the season series yeah. against the Orioles. But still. Four games back, technically, of the Mariners. Four and a half back of the Rays and the Blue Jays. I I still think it's a long shot, but they ain't done yet. They ain't done yet, and that thanks in large part to Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish, two just dogs. Right. And and you look at what happened with with Jordan Lyles on Wednesday. He throws a complete game three-hitter, allows just the one run. Then the next day, Kyle Bradish doesn't give up a, a, a base runner until two outs in the sixth. Only gives up two hits for the game, and the second hit came with two outs in the ninth inning when uh, Pena lined a base hit into the left center field. And Hyde pulls him out at 100 pitches, mm-hmm. pulls him out to a chorus of boos. In that situation, I get it. I get it right. because now you're facing the heart of the order, and you've got a runner on base, a home run, it's a tie game, bring in one of the nastiest relievers in all right. of baseball. I, and he's at 100. I totally get that. I actually commend Brandon Hyde. Sure. In, in, in this instance, because what have I bitched about a lot? Hyde pulling his starters way too early. Yeah. Pulling his starters yeah. way too early. He let Lyles go out there and get that complete game. He let Bradish go out there and try for the complete game, and he was now away. Eight, eight and two-thirds two thirds innings. Yeah. He let Dean Kramer, and, and you couldn't justify not sending Dean Kramer out right. for the ninth inning yesterday. Right. He, he, he got through eight innings on 84 pitches, and he hadn't allowed a run and just the three hits. So you're sitting there, and it's it's a, and the Orioles, I think, scored five runs in, was it the seventh or the eighth inning? Uh, I believe it was the seventh. seventh. I think the, it was the it was sixth or the seventh. They scored five runs. Yeah. So it's not like this is a close ball game. Right. Let the, it, there's no way that you can justify letting Bradish and Lyles do it and not right. Dean Kramer. Well, I think the argument with Bradish, too, is that you have Felix Bautista. If it's anybody else, maybe you can make a little bit of a... a you know, you can criticize that a little bit, but it's it's Felix Bautista who's been 
arguably a top three closer in baseball this year, a guy who's basically done everything you've asked him to, you feel pretty confident with that. I, you know, it, I would have loved to see Kyle Bradish get a complete game. I would have loved to see him there, but he's at 100 pitches. That's, you know, bordering the line for me. So I have no problem. I, I agree with you. I commend Brandon High for that. That's a, that's a risky move. Not a risky move, but a, a, a move that you know is going to make the fan base unhappy. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he did that, and I commend him for yeah, it. Yeah, and look, if I'm sitting here saying, look, I have no issue with it. Yeah. And that's not that I'm an authority, but everybody knows how critical I've been of Brandon Hyde. Sure. You know what I mean? So if I'm sitting here and I'm like, no, I'm okay, that that, that move I get, yeah. I totally understand that, then it's probably fine. And it's a 2 nothing ball game. I right. mean, that's the other thing about it. It's not like this is a, a blowout 7 nothing, and the Orioles' offense has just gone off that day. I mean, you've got to protect the lead. You know, you're in the, you're in the playoff race, or at least trying to be. So you've got to do everything you can to win the ball game. No, I I absolutely agree. And Felix Bautista is the only the only closer in Major League Baseball with at least seven save opportunities in, in, since he all since the beginning of August um, without a blown save. He's eleven, I think twelve for twelve now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he's been unreal. Yeah, he's he's absolutely phenomenal. One hundred and three mile an hour fastball yeah. it tops out at, and then he has that devastating eighty seven to eighty nine mile an hour splitter, and he's developed a slider. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. It's going to be tough. In the last three games, of the 81 possible outs, Orioles starters are responsible for 80 of them. That's absolutely bananas. Nine hits in the last three games, one run. I mean, if they went three straight complete games, I would love to figure out the last time that's happened Uh, in baseball. They they showed it. And I I actually said this to my wife when Bradish almost got it. I was talking about how the last time the Orioles threw... Back to back, complete. Last time they threw back to back complete games, I think was twenty fourteen. But they, okay. they, but they didn't win both those games because one of them was an eight inning yeah. complete game. But before that, when it was two back to back nine inning complete games, it was yeah. it was nineteen ninety nine. But the one that they referenced last night, the one that I started telling my wife about, I remember the Orioles closed the nineteen ninety five season with five straight shutouts. Wow! And wow. on September twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and 29th, they got complete game shutouts. From Kevin Brown, Scott Erickson, and Mike Mussina. The next game, Ben McDonald, and I called Ben McDonald out for this uh, last night, tongue-in-cheek, and he, and he responded to it. Uh, ben McDonald, six innings of one hit ball. No runs, five walks, um, six strikeouts. Uh, and, I, and I said, the only one to not get the complete game was Ben McDonald, <laughs> who threw six innings of one hit ball in his final start as an Oriole. Bum, with the winky emoji face. And he said, actually, I would just come off the IL, and there was a, uh, they definitely had me on a pitch limit. <laughs> and then, in the, fi- in the season finale, Mike Mussina threw another complete game shutout. So they had yeah. four complete game shutouts in a five-game stretch and five straight shutouts right. to end the season. That's the last time that this has happened. It's been absolutely impressive. Again, Dean Kramer, complete game shutout on four hits. He improves to 8-5 and five with a 3.07 ERA in 20 games, 19 starts, covering 114 and a third innings pitched. Zach, this is not the same guy. No. This is not the same. This is the guy... That we hoped we were getting when they traded Manny Machado, sure. the guy who was leading the, there was a minor league strikeout leader. Yeah, and you're like, and, and then you see him in the next off season. He's throwing 95, 96 in his off season workouts. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, this guy's gonna be the real deal. And then he comes out and throws a one hit shutout over six innings against the Yankees in his first major league start. Yep. And you're like, oh my God, we fleeced the Dodgers because at that time <laughs> we still thought Yusniel Diaz was, was going to be, be something. Yeah, right. And slowly but surely, I mean, he, he he pitched okay, blew up against the Red Sox in his final start of 2020. Comes out in 2021, and he was awful. That, awful! Yeah, I mean, he was completely Just terrible. Awful. And then, 
this year, he starts a year, and he's he makes a team out of spring training. He's going to start the year in the bullpen. And in his first game warming up in the bullpen, he's about to come in, pulls the oblique. Yeah. Misses a month, goes down to Norfolk, he starts, comes up, and he becomes he becomes a starter again, and it's been off and running ever since. Yeah. He had a little stretch in July where he was not where he was not very good. I think he gave up like six runs in like back to back games or something he, like he that. Gave, he, he started. I it, think it, there were like there were like four games in a row where he yeah. gave up five runs, six runs, four runs, and three runs. Yeah. So, something like yeah. that. But ever since then, and it really started with that um, seven inning performance against the Blue Jays back in August. He's been an ace. He's been an absolute ace he for has. this team. You look at his 307 ERA in 20 games, and again, 19 starts. He has a lower ERA than Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Robbie Ray, Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove, Aaron Nola, Adam Wainwright, Pablo Lopez, and Charlie Morton, just to name a few. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what this guy is doing it has been absolutely unbelievable. And he legitimately is in the Orioles rotation next year. I don't see how he couldn't be. I th- barring injury, yeah, he has to be. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy who's, who's fought his way in. And I, I think someone said it last night on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. might have been one of the beat writers. But they said patience is key. And I, I think Michael Elias has kind of emphasized that over the rebuild, that some of these guys aren't going to come right up and be as dominant as you want them to be and do everything you want them to. And that player development is a process that takes a, a substantial amount of time. And I think we see that so often in, in, in this Orioles rebuild so far. But Dean Kramer is a perfect example of why patience is so important. I mean, this guy went from having a 7.55 ERA last year in 13 starts to a 3.07 ERA and a 3.49 FIP, which shows you that, you know, even the defense, it, it's it's been his pitching's been good enough where the defense hasn't really even mattered that much for him. Um, I would like to see the strikeouts come up a little bit, 6.4 over 9 right now, which is fine, but I think we expect a little better from him, and last year it was actually higher at 7.9, mm-hmm. and his rookie year it was 10.6, so I would like to see that number go up a little bit. It seems like he hasn't struck out as many guys, but you know, I, I think that's going to that's gonna come for him. Again, we'll just have the patience there and, and let him, him build up to that and, and become a, you know what he was in the minors, that strikeout leader the year they got him. And if you look at his numbers on, um, on baseball Savant, and that's what I've been kind of looking at over here. Um, you know, his, his curveball spin rate is excellent, almost top mm-hmm. tier. Uh, the chase rate, he's getting tons of chases. Fastball spin rate, also really high. Not walking a ton of guys, which is really good as well. I do worry about the expected batting average of guys. He's in the lower tier for that. Uh, K percentage also in the lower tier at the moment, both in the 16th percentile. So mm-hmm. definitely some room for improvement for sure. But this is a huge step forward and, and just a, a sign that patience is really well, pays off. And, and the Orioles, and not just Dean Kramer, but you look at Tyler Wells and Austin Both and Spencer Watkins to a certain extent, mm-hmm. they, they've proven that you don't need to strike out 13 guys per nine right. to be effective. Would you like more strikeouts? Yes. But they're much more pitch, pitch efficient. Th- uh, if you look across the board, the Orioles pitchers have become much more pitch efficient as the year has has gone. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with, with Chris Holt, a lot to do with Adley Rutschman, a lot to do with the analytics department. You put, you put all those three together in a perfect storm, right. and all these pitchers are just, they're, they're turning into what, what we hoped that they could be if everything fell in place. And it seems right. like everything is falling in place for them. And, and it, that moves me to Kyle Bradish. And Kyle Bradish, in his last 11 starts, he's 3-3, three and three, which uh, the record's not Doesn't great. matter. Uh, that does, but that, again, like you said, doesn't it's, matter. It's a team stat, more right. or less. 64 innings pitched, a 1.093 whip, and a 2.67 ERA. Yeah. He has four starts in his last six of seven innings or more and two hits or less. Mm-hmm. Kyle Bradish, and I said this the other day, and I got some people that agreed with me and some people that pushed back, right? 
Kyle Bradish is not only firmly in this rotation next year, if the Orioles do nothing else, yeah. if it, and that's the caveat here, if they do nothing else except bring up like Grayson Rodriguez, he's your opening day starter next year. Him or Kramer, sure. I think. It, 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 like, you look at it, and Kramer's been really good. Mm-hmm. Bradish has been that much better. I mean, I, to, agree. To, I agree. Four starts and six where you allow two hits yeah. or less over seven-plus innings. And he's gotten himself into the eighth inning now three times, yeah. into the ninth inning once. W- what Kyle Bradish do- is doing right now, and this is why Matt Blood said he holds him in the same sure. tier as Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. That's how talented this guy is. And it's crazy, man, because we talk about how uh, patience is key, right? Right. He did this. It's a tale of two seasons in one season. His his first ten starts, his ERA was what like seven thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Right. One of the guys that you dreaded every time he took right. the hill because you knew and, he wasn't going to give you a chance to win. And, and you're sitting here like the stuff's there, but he just can't consistently yeah. throw strikes. He has too yeah. many long innings, too many pitches thrown. He gets hurt. He comes back, and, all, and he's a different guy. Totally different. He's guy. a different guy. One thing I said about his mechanics last show is that I thought he was just you know staying on his backside a little too uh, too much, not getting over the front leg as as much as he should. I think that was making him you know miss a lot more than he should have. I thought the mechanics just looked weird, and I think that's kind of gone away for him a little bit. Maybe that's a, a player development thing. Maybe that's just an injury thing where he just feels better um, physically. But it's certainly been you know the stuff's there. We know that, but it, he's certainly improved across all aspects of the game right now, and he's playing incredible baseball. I mean, the guy is coming out there and giving the Orioles a chance to win, you know, more times than not. And that's really all you can ask for, especially from a rookie. And, you know, he may have some struggles next season. The sophomore slumps happen to a lot of guys where they come out and they just don't exactly pitch the way they should be. And he'll adjust and and guys are going to adjust to him across the league. But man, I mean, he he definitely looks like he's locked down a rotation spot. Again, barring injury, barring health. Um, it's It's been really good. And it's a really mm. good sign that, you know, the Orioles didn't think they had a ton of pitching depth, probably behind guys like D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, and now you have a guy like Kyle Bradish that's you know came over in the in the Bundy trade and has really made a name for himself. So it's yeah. great to see. Yeah, I, and again, Bradish, Kramer, yep. Tyler Wells, who yep. unfortunately we found out before yesterday's game that Tyler Wells is headed back to the IL with right shoulder inflammation. Right. It's 15 day the season's IL. over for him. The season's uh, you know. Barring something miraculous or him getting an inning or two in the final game of the year, the season's over for Tyler Wells. But look, over 100 innings pitched last year. I was convinced that that meant that he was going to have some restrictions. Mm-hmm. But Brandon Hyde said yesterday that he's going to have no restrictions next year. We okay. bumped, They bumped him up. I think it was from 58 innings up to over 100. I think he had like 104. Um, they said that he's going to be a full-fledged starter next year. And there's going to be no restrictions for him that, that he's going to be able to go out there and, and pitch. Um, I think that's exciting. He's. This is a guy who, uh, again, also, <coughs> the strikeouts are way down yeah. from last year. But he said that he said early in, in the year, I'm not striking guys out because it takes a lot of pitches to strike guys out, sure. and I want to get as deep as I can for being on a pitch count. Right. So when I have no restrictions, that's when I'm going to really let it go, let it loose and start striking guys out. Yeah. You hope that doesn't change the way that he approaches a game. You hope it doesn't change how effective he is. If he can be a guy who can add the strikeout to his repertoire and still be as effective as he's been, along with the low walk totals, yeah. that's a dude. I mean, there have been a lot of incredible pitchers, especially recently, I think we've seen it more, that have been great pitch-to-contact guys. I mean, they have pitched to contact and, and made it work. 
I would rather him mix it up a little bit more and, and mm-hmm. bring the strikeout numbers up, like you said. I think that would be really beneficial to his game. And, and, and as you mentioned, and he mentioned, it's easier to strike guys out in relief because you're only throwing probably 20 pitches and you may only face two or three batters. So mm-hmm. it's easier to strike guys out. That's just the way it is. And you're trying probably to throw a little harder and, and your stuff to break a little more. You're, you're going all out when you're relieving. And when you're starting, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, essentially, where relieving more of a sprint. So I think that makes the difference for him, and that's maybe why the strikeout numbers have been a little lower. I don't think it's an issue of stuff. I think he, his stuff is more than fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just going to be a thing where he's just going to have to, I, I guess, take into account how many pitches he needs to throw to get these strikeouts and how many and what situations he should be trying to strike guys out as opposed to pitching to contact. It's a it's a situational thing for me, I guess, in the long run. Well, and the roster move, the corresponding roster move, is that Spencer Watkins is back on the Orioles staff. When I first saw that, I thought that meant he was going to start today. But nope, Michael Ballman's going today for the Orioles. Watkins is available in relief, I guess, for the rest of the year. <clears throat> I thought we had seen the last... I, I even said on this show, I said, barring injury, I think yeah. we've probably seen the last of Spencer Watkins. Well, there's an injury. He's back. Does he have any chance of putting himself in the conversation for the 2023 Baltimore Orioles? He is a free agent after the season. I know Stan said he thinks that he's going to get a contract from a team, that he could get a one- or two-year deal that you know probably pays him a million or two a year or something like that and just gets him you know, some job security, but... I think that's definitely a possibility. I think if the Orioles can bring him back, they will. He's a really, really good uh, safety blanket for them. A guy who can just, you know, kind of fill in spots when you need him to and and make a a lot of starts where guys are, you know, injured and everything like that. So I I do think there's a good chance he's back with the Orioles. It's just going to have to be at the right price. I don't think they're going to pay too much for him. They're certainly not going to try to outbid another team for him. He's a guy who has really defied all expectations at this point. I mean, a mm-hmm. 30th round pick, a guy who didn't make his major league debut until he was 29 years old. So to even have him in the situation and in the even first then, he, place. He wasn't very good. And he wasn't very year. good, right. So to even have him in the situation in the first place where he could be getting a contract next year, I think they're going to bring him in if they can as a, as a potential guy who's maybe like your seven or eight starter if, if you're, you know, one or two goes down or something like that and you need to slide him into the back rotation. Um, that, you know, that, that would always be a, a, a nice security to have. I only, I only think that Spencer Watkins stays in Baltimore next year if he's offered a minor league deal. Minor, okay. A minor league deal yeah. with an invite to spring training. I don't think the Orioles are going to, because they already know what they have, and they're going to try and go out and get probably an ace, whether it's through trade or through free agency. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Sure. Um, they're going to go get another legit frontline starter for this team, I believe. I think, uh, Even though I think that their top priority should be a middle-of-the-order bat, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they say their top priority is adding a frontline starter. Spencer Watkins, maybe he gets some starts in AAA. He can fill in with a spot start here or there. Or maybe he can come up and be a swingman. Yeah. And it'd be that guy where if for some reason your starter only goes three innings or you have to have an opener or something like that, Spencer Watkins can fill that role for you. Uh, news came out yesterday that several months ago the Orioles hired Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. um, to oversee the sale of the club. Nothing is imminent, but... You're bringing in Goldman Sachs. You're probably planning on selling the team sooner rather than later. Correct. Um, and I'm going to ask Stan about this, so I won't. I'm going to ask about Peter Angelos' sure. health, so I won't ask you. Um, does this surprise you? Do you think it's just doing due diligence? And is this something where you think that a sale, maybe not imminent, but it's definitely coming in the next year or two? I, I think we've kind of seen for the last. Two, 
three or four years that a sale is is coming. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with, with Peter Angelos's health on the decline and and John Angelos and his brother fighting constantly, as we know now with the with the lawsuits that have been going on, it's looking more and more like a sale is, is going to happen. And imminent could mean multiple things. I I think within two years a sale will happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty likely. And it's it's coming to the point Isaiah where uh, uh, say, yeah, Isaiah likely. Uh, I, 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 I say it's likely. I, a sale is a sale is pretty likely to me at this point um, because there's just too much going on around the team uh, within the ownership group that isn't positive at the moment. I mean, even the mom is fighting with the sons at this mm-hmm. point. She's, she's more fighting on, with she's more on John's side, yeah. correct? So She's uh, the one who appointed John the, right. the, the CEO. I don't think, right. And, and I don't think you're hiring a company like that unless you're seriously considering doing this and probably leaning towards doing it. And, you know, a company like Goldman Sachs, obviously, Goldman Sachs can give them, you know, the, I guess, the, the financial insight on how it's going to look and what the sale possibly could look like. I'm assuming it's going to be a, a large ownership group comprised of many different people and many different investors. Major League Baseball um, wants Cal Ripken as part of they, the ownership They want group. Cal Ripken, Ripken in there, sure. Cal so, Ripken. Cal Ripken in there. And <clears throat> you know, that's. I think that's that would be a positive thing for the Orioles. I, I don't know how these sales work. I'm not you know, privy to all that information, but it's definitely a, a large process, and I'm not surprised at all that they're kind of starting the process now and at least assessing their, their options here. We know that, that the Orioles are not leaving Baltimore. No. They just got $600 million to spend on their stadium yeah. from, from the team. They, they have a lease agreement um, that has been extended, yeah. and I think that in February they can extend it another five years. Something that like sounds that. right, yeah. Um, but the the their work this them passing the the six hundred million dollars worth of revenue uh, worth worth of um six hundred million dollars worth of reparations money. Mm-hmm. God, that sounds terrible. Not reparations money. My God. Um, we know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, six hundred million dollars towards repairing the stadium and, yeah. bu- and building up around it, like renovations. Essentially. Re- yes, thank you. Why could R word <laughs> renovations? Right. We know. We know what you meant. Oh my God! I said six hundred million in reparations. Good Lord, Paul. <laughs> Have a clue. Um. And so you're, you're looking at that, and that bill being passed makes it easier for them to, to sign a lease agreement with right. the Maryland Stadium Authority. So Baltimore's not leaving. for uh, Baltimore. The Orioles aren't leaving Baltimore. So for you, you think this is all good. You think that this, this is an exciting thing because, and I know we got to get Santa on the line. This is, sure. this, is, this is an exciting thing because now you're going to get a new ownership group, and maybe yeah. this is an ownership group that... Is really really wants to go for it. and and look and that, the Orioles right now it seems like they're going for it it seems like mm-hmm. Michael Elias has the go ahead to absolutely go for it but a new ownership group it seems like nothing will stand in their way in your mind I mean not that the situation is is necessarily the same but you look at what Steve Cohen came in and did mm-hmm. with the New York Mets and really he changed the entire culture and not that the Orioles really need a culture change but he brought in so much money number one I mean mm-hmm. they they have I mean, he's worth sixteen billion right and they have flourished under Steve Cohen so far I mean the Mets are going to be a top World Series contender this year they're go- they're right there at the top of their division so if something like that happens for the Orioles where you come in and you get you know a significant amount of more money to spend on the team, on the ballpark, on the concessions, whatever it is, I think that's going to be a positive thing. As long as the team stays in Baltimore, which I'm 99.9999% sure it will. I'm 100% sure. I, okay, that's fair enough. <clears throat> I, I don't ever like to speak in definitives, I guess, but I, I think that it's going to be a positive thing regardless. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's especially with all these lawsuits going on, I, I think that's a very negative thing. It paints the Orioles in a very bad picture, um, you know, across the media and across the globe. So, 
I, I really like what what a Orioles potential get, sale getting, could getting do. attention across the globe. Oh, they're sure they do. They got fans. You know, the Anthony Santander fans in in, the, in yeah. Great Britain and the UK over there. Sure, they got they got attention you're, you're everywhere. Right. It's it's across the globe. You are one hundred percent correct. Uh, Zach's gonna get stand on the on the line for us. We have a nice show coming up for you. Stand the fan here in a matter of moments from Locked On Orioles podcast. Um, and somebody who I learned last night is from my neck of the woods. Connor Newcomb is going to join us on the program around 11.05. Orioles banter. <clears throat> excuse me. Take to rake and final thoughts coming up later on the show for you. Uh, also in... <clears throat> I have no idea what's going on right now. Um, also in last night's game, Adley Rutschman, 3-for-3, three three, a double, a home run, two RBIs, a walk, and a stolen base. And still, Adley Rutschman gets on base four times, drives in two, hits a homer, and steals a base and still isn't the big story of the game because Dean Kramer was that was that dude uh, last night. So a nice game for them. Again, the Orioles three games back of the Mariners for the final wild card spot. spot, spot. <laughs> but technically four games back because the Mariners do have the um, season series victory over the Orioles. But before we talk about that uh, with Stan, I do want to talk to Stan about Albert Pujols joining Elite Company last night. Stan, good morning. Thanks for taking time this morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, guys. How you doing? We're doing very well, thank you. Stan, did you get to see Albert Pujols hit? I mean, I don't know if you have Apple TV I've or not. Seen but... the, I've seen the I've seen the replays of it. No, I did not see it live. I uh, heard about it after. I mean, in other words, I heard about it, and it had already taken place. If I had known it was on, I would have. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention. 700 home run club, Stan. He's one of four players, one of two players along with Hank Aaron to have 700 home runs and 3,000 hits. How big is this for the game of baseball for Albert Pujols, the St. Louis Cardinals? What kind of a moment is this for you? It's an, it's, it really is an incredible moment. Um, you know, I, I've never been that wrapped up in, in Albert Pujols because by even by the time we saw him playing for the Angels, which was like, nine years ago or something, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. he, he was not quite the same player. He, he was in his real heyday with the Cardinals. Right. But having said that, he still, you know, he had terrible plantar problems and feet problems for years. And they robbed him of a lot of, uh, of time and, and the ability to optimize his performance. The fact that he hung in there that long and actually has had a remarkable season. This oh, yeah. Year. I mean, you know, in some ways, this is uh, like uh, one of the more amazing feats coming off of what he's been like the last two years. I uh, wouldn't have imagined it was possible he could reach 700 home runs. And to do it in L.A. where he played last year for Dave Roberts, you know, when the Angels released him, uh, it was kind of special. I mean, the fans in L.A., they went nuts for him. I mean, I could see it in the replays. It's really a great moment. It really is. When he hit and, the home and run. They've, they've, been a, they've been a great story all year with the three older guys mm-hmm. sort of leading the, leading the charge for the new manager there, you know. Yeah. Uh, Wainwright, Molina, and, and Pujols. And, you know, they're a viable, uh, you know, I wouldn't pick them to, to go deep. But they could surprise in an early round, and then if the pitching's strong enough, they could be competitive. Yeah, no, they've they've had an impressive year, Albert Pujols. And like you said, we didn't think 700 was reachable. When he said this was his final year, there were a lot of whispers about, is he really going to hang it up if he's like five home runs short of 700? Right, and right. And he's right. gone out there, and had, I mean, he's got two weeks left in the season. He's already he's already gotten to 700. It's um, 
been an impressive run for him. And, and you mentioned that he did it in L.A. and how happy those fans were for him. Stan, when you hit, when he hit that home run, you would have thought that he did it in St. Louis with how loud that yeah. crowd was. It was amazing. Well, those people in L.A., they all you know imagine themselves as the superstars themselves. So they they were just part of history, and they were thrilled about it. It was. It was really exciting to, to watch. Yeah, especially when it was part of a multi-homer game to to get there. That that was that was yeah. very cool. Um, Stan, it came, yeah. news came out um, yesterday or the day before. I think it was yesterday that the Orioles have hired Goldman Sachs to assist in the sale of the club. They said nothing is imminent. Is this surprising mm-hmm. to you, or is this something that you? Well, yeah, that kind of makes sense because the writing's been on the wall that the team is probably going to be sold here at some point. That's mm, not surprising to me at all. You know, with what's going on with the, the internal lawsuits they got going back and forth, and um, and uh, you know, the fact that again, Peter ha- hasn't been really in public for three and a half years, um, and and I, as I've mentioned before, the the problems for the family with the state taxes don't kick in when Peter dies, but the clock starts ticking then on needing to, to have an exit plan, you know? Uh, so we'll see, you know, now that does, that does not mean that somehow John and his mom couldn't still end up being part of some new group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, in some capacity, I don't know, but, uh, We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Does that does it concern you at all that this comes out that maybe that means that that, that Peter has taken a turn for the worse with his health? Not not particularly. Okay. I think the uh, the lawsuit probably has more to do more to do with that. You know, and that would make the, sense. Needing needing to get their ducks in a row. You know. Yeah. And and I've heard I've heard some rumors that uh, you know. Uh, some groups are being put together, and uh, I'm told from somebody that's pretty smart in these matters that the Orioles are worth about one one point eight five billion dollars mm-hmm. now. And and we've heard that that Major League Baseball wants Cal Ripken to be a part of the ownership group. Do you think that that's something that Cal has interest in? Well, I'm sure he'd have interest in it, but uh, again, uh, you know, they could have. They could want Mickey Mouse to be part of uh, an ownership group. It, it depends how much money Mickey Mouse has behind him. True. You know, uh, Cal doesn't have the kind of money to be a significant player per se. Um, and you know, uh, you know, they they might want it. I don't think that's going to be any impediment to the sale. You know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, Stan, let's talk about the current Orioles. Um, yep. Just just when we thought they were dead in the water, yeah. they go out and they put together three straight, uh, it, it just so impressive pitching performances. Their starters have recorded 80 of a possible 81 outs in the last three games. Dean Kramer, the latest guy to go out there and shine. A complete game four hit shutout last night after Bradish goes eight and two-thirds of two hit shutout ball the night before. And after Lyles, the night before that, goes nine innings of three-hit uh, ball with uh, allowing just one run in a complete game. How impressive has this pitching run been the last three days uh, from your standpoint? Well, it's it's been pretty tremendous. You know, you got to go back uh, to 1995 mm-hmm. when Messina Erickson and Kevin Brown did it, and that was a miserable season. Yeah, I remember. Uh, with, Phil, with Phil Regan as skipper of the club. Uh, they were going nowhere fast, but they had decent pitching back then, uh, you know, 
It's a shame. Kevin Brown, for as great as he was at parts of his career, he really did not have a great season for the Orioles that year. Yeah, um, I remember he was like the marquee guy that they were bringing in to join the rotation, and yeah. he just wasn't very good. Um, yeah, and, and he had been. I forget the. I forget the exact lineage of where he came from. I know he'd been the Texas Rangers. I don't mm-hmm. know if we got him before. I think he went to the Dodgers after us, but I think there was wasn't an he in Detroit. Team. I th- I feel like I remember him being a Detroit mm-hmm. Tiger. I don't remember him. I don't remember him as a Detroit Tiger. He went to the oh, Florida I mean, Marlins in uh, nineteen ninety six. That's what it was. Yeah. And wasn't he incredible with them? Uh, yeah, he went 17-11 and 11 with a 1.89 ERA over 32 that's, starts. That's it. Yep, yeah. that's it. He that's went impressive. there, and then Peter kind of stole him. Was it a two- or three-year deal we signed So he, he was with Florida for two years, uh, with Baltimore only for one year. He went 10-9 and nine with a right. 3.6 ERA in Baltimore in 1994. Yeah, he was not very good. He wasn't very good. And then he reestablished some some good numbers with the Dodgers, I believe. Well, so know. Stan, he, actually, I mean, in 95 with the Orioles, he was 10-9 and nine with a 3 yeah. ERA in, tw- in 26 mm-hmm. starts. And it was the next year, in 1996, right. that he went to Florida and was 17-11 and 11 with a 1-8-9 ERA. He came here directly, okay. c- directly from Texas. I think it was just a one-year deal. It doesn't look like there was a trade in there. Uh, or anything of the okay. sort. But he it, must been, have been, it must have been a one-year higher average yearly salary. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember why he would have signed that deal, though. Well, he was really yeah, bad in, in Texas in, in 1994. Texas? He it was 7-9 with okay. a 4.82 ERA in 25 right. starts right. a year before. So maybe it was a make-good deal that he signed with the Orioles, thinking, you know what, they got a talented yep. squad, I'll join that rotation. Yep. He, he signed yep. with the Orioles for one year, uh, $4.225 million. So not... A, Okay. Not a huge salary. Well, back then it was. I guess well, back, back then, then it was. was yeah. a, back then it was a big salary. Yeah. But two years. I mean, three years later, he got uh, ten point seven million. So quite mm-hmm. a, quite a bit more. Yeah. Right. In, in, inflation is a, a mother effer, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, Stan, four point four point four point four in ninety five would be worth like eighteen nineteen million now, mm-hmm. or twenty million. Cause that was back when Cal was getting six million a year, and he was one of the highest paid players in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, Stan, this starting pitching run, one of the things I harped on with Brandon Hyde a, a lot over the last two months was not trusting his starters to go deeper in the games, and that went completely out the window the last three days. Lyles is allowed to go out and, and pitch the ninth, and he gets through it. Bradish is given the opportunity, gives up the base hit in a two-run ball game, and uh, that getting Batista in there made sense to me, even though people didn't seem to like it in the moment. And then there's no way that at 84 pitches through eight innings of shutout ball from Kramer that he's not going back out there for the ninth. Do you think this is Brandon Hyde just just trusting his guys? No, I think their performances have have stepped up a a good notch. You know, I mean, Brandon Hyde, I don't think would have mistrusted Dean Kramer on July 29th had he been as smooth as this Mm. or or Bradish. You know, Bradish has just been you know, outrageous, you know. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down some numbers, but of course I can't find where, where I put them. Uh, here they are. Radish, in his 11 games started since coming back off the IL, mm-hmm. has had a 64 innings pitch, 2.67 ERA, yep. and a 1.04 whip. Opponents are hitting 210 against him, slugging yeah. just 301 against him. I mean, he's been... He's been absolutely sensational. Uh, he, 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 and Stan, he has four starts in his last six where he's gone seven innings or more and allowed two hits or less. He's not just yep. become a, a really—he's become an ace 
on this staff. He's become a guy that you can trust to go out there. And I know that he's had some hiccups in there. Those other two starts weren't great. But, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a pitcher that can have four starts and six outings of seven innings and two hits or less. That's impressive. Yeah, I just, I would just, we need to pump the brakes a little bit on on projecting these guys out and saying sure. they're going to be these guys now, you know? So in other words, the idea that, Hey, we suddenly have Braddish and Kramer pitching that well and Wiles, we don't really need to go out and get anybody. Oh no, I they're going to go get some really still needs, still needs to somebody to go in. Now Stan, I had, I had said uh, after Braddish's start the other night, but the way that he's pitched and the caveat being that they, I think they're going to go out and sign a starter or two, and I mean, like a front line guy, whether it's free agency or trade. But Braddish of the current group, he has to be the favorite to be the opening day starter last year. If you're just going with what you have in house right now, uh, to me, that, that's that that would have well, to be it, the guy. I, I think they'll be. Look, first of all, we don't know whether they will exercise the option on on Lyle or not. Right. You know, um, there, there's been some bright spots on Lyle. Uh, and I know we talked about it a week ago, and I was pretty down on Lyle because mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, I didn't factor in that I was pissed that he got sick when we really needed him. Yeah, I, it probably played a part in my thinking was he wasn't, but that next performance was just horrible when he yeah. came back uh, when we really needed him. So I'm saying to myself, is that an eleven million dollar guy? But you got to be, uh, you got to be realistic. $11 million is not, a, I mean, it's it's significant money, but it's not gigantic money when you're talking about a Carlos or a Dan who figures you get twenty seven five to $30 million a year, something yeah. like that. So, yeah. uh, so, so to project now that Bradish is the favorite to be the opening day starter, way too soon in my book. You know, got to see who they go out and get. Whether Lyles is back, they might defer to Lyles just because he's more veteran-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dean Kramer certainly has got to factor into that, too. Right. You know. Stan, as, so as you see... I'm not worried about who the opening day starter is right now. Uh, and, and I'm not actually... I know you're not either, but, but it was just, I know. He's been really good, with my overall point. No question about it. No question about it. And it occurred after... I watched one start, and again, you know me from talking baseball to me for the last three years, mm-hmm. that I, my def, almost my default solution is bullpen. Mm-hmm. And I had come up with this notion that Bradish really was the guy to be in front of Bautista, and then all of a sudden his last like seven or eight starts have like put that in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. You know? Stan with Mike Bowman. I will say, I will say before we talk about Mike Bowman. Sure. Just one thing you put in your notes something about the club now intends that DL Hall is going to be a starting pitcher again. That, I, the, I they said that for that next year. That they said that. Yes. That, when, that is when they that, when, that is such a mistake. That is such a mistake to be sort of discouraged by how he's looked in a couple of relief appearances. Um, he pitched thirty innings last year. He's pitched 80 innings this year, 82 innings or something this year. Hold on, I wrote it down. He's pitched 88 this year. So so they, so they, the decision is going to be that we think his biggest value or best value to the team is as a starting pitcher. When is he going to ra- be ramped up to really be somebody you can pencil in 
as a starting pitcher for the Orioles. Well, and I think that they I mean, put, you already have next year. You already have means is going to be like probably May fifteenth, June first, mm-hmm. before you really can count on him. So where is DL Hall factor in that he's going to be on this on a major league staff? What are you going to send him back to AAA again to see if he can work? I mean, he's. He's a flawed pitcher, man. I'm yeah. telling you. And 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 that's the thing, Stan. So after he made his major league debut, uh, Rock yep. reported that they were sending him back down to change him over to a reliever for the rest of the year, and then that's just what it right. would be for the rest of this year. But then they they, they plan on stretching okay. him back out to I a starter not, next I, year. When I when I read that back then, I thought that they were thinking along the same lines that I am that this guy. Is not a starting pitch. And Stan, I don't ultimately, understand in what I don't understand in what world this makes any sense at all to take a pitcher who's not 21 years old. He's probably 24 now, uh, you know, 23 or 24, and start to start to try and ramp him up to be an effective major league starter. I, I, it's very similar. It's very similar when we acquired Dylan Tate from mm-hmm. the Yankees. The Yankees had acquired him from Texas and tried to turn him into a starter. He was a relief pitcher in all throughout college, uh, Dylan Tate. And and I looked at Dylan Tate when we acquired him, and there was talk that the Yankees had been trying to ramp him up, and that's what the Orioles initially used him as was a starting pitcher. But his innings were, were, would take him three years to rank, rank up, uh, ramp up to be an effective innings either in the major league. Yeah. And they're making a huge mistake here on DL Hall. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. What I will say, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, is that Tyler Wells yeah. had, had 58 innings last year, and he ramped up to 104 this year. Um, so, right. and you, you've he seen ramped it with, up to 104, and he's been on the IL twice. That's that's tr- that's an excellent I mean, point, Stan. So that, that is an excellent ramp, point. Uh, I mean, uh, Wells is also. I'm telling you, long term, he's a relief pitcher too. And I know I just made fun of myself that that's my default. He's not a guy that who's had major shoulder surgery. He's not a guy, in my estimation, that figures to be any type of long-term solution as a starter. Well, and look, they're, they're going to go out and they're going to sign a starter or two, uh, if not more, in, in, in this offseason. Um, they're going to. It's it's not going to hurt them any to get these guys stretched out and see what they can be as starters because they can always put them back into a bullpen. They, yeah. can, they, they can always yeah. do that. And if D.L. Hall, because, and Stan, there were a lot of people saying that Jim Palmer and Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson were, were saying the same things about them that you're saying about D.L. Hall, and then they became Hall of Famers. Now, that's a lofty expectation that I don't know that I expect for. D.L. Hall, mm-hmm. but if people had had gone the route with those other guys that, that we're talking about going with D.L. Hall, they never would have been what they became. So it's just one of those I'll, things. I'll give, you, I'll give you that there was discussion about Nolan Ryan that he would never figure it out. Palmer was an injury problem after his rookie year mm-hmm. that took him, it took him to the lowest steps of the minor leagues. I never remember it being discussed that Jim Palmer should go to the bullpen. Well, I mean, early in his career. Well, it's not so much him going to the bullpen as it was he might not figure this out because of all, because of he had so many so many walk issues. And you look at Randy, right. you look at Randy Johnson in his age 26, 27, 28 seasons, he led the major leagues in walks each of those 3 years. Yeah. And then the following 15 yeah. years he won 260 games and five Cy Youngs. So yeah. Yeah. it's look, that's a lofty like I said, lofty expectations for DL Hall, but people have said this about pitchers throughout all of time. 
and some mm. of them figure it out. You know, and the, if the Orioles think that maybe Hall uh, has a chance, you know, maybe he does. Uh, he can always go back. I think it's wa- I think it's wasting a, a, a talent that could be really important to you in a different way. It, I'm it not might be. I'm not incredibly I'm not incredibly discouraged that he's had a couple terrible relief outings, mm-hmm. particularly right now. It takes a while to get into the mindset and to warm up properly, you know. Um, but, okay. And we're going to uh, agree to disagree on that one. It, that is, I was just playing devil's that, advocate. That threw I, me for a loop. Yeah. No, I, that threw me for a loop altogether that there, that, that was a, a mini point. What was the purpose of that, that they were going to put him in the board? It made no sense. They bring him up as a starter. Then they say, and he didn't pitch horribly that game in Tampa. In fact, he, he had some bright spots in that. Then they sort of send him back down and and announce he's going to be a relief pitcher. What was the purpose of reconverting him to a relief pitcher well, to or converting him to a relief pitcher only to say, well, but after this year we're going to – it makes – it's bizarre to me, you know. Um, and I don't criticize Mike. Mike and his thinking that much, but this one is, I'd have to sit down and chat with him about that. What I, I don't understand. What I will say for D.L. Hall is his fielding independent pitching uh, numbers, yeah. two, two, three, six, which is, a, that, that's a really good number. Now, uh, the thing with that, Stan, is that they knew that if they started him, he'd reach his innings limit before the end of the year. And it's like you said, the same thing with bringing Tyler Wells up, and you understood that because you want to have your best arms on the, on the roster. They considered D.L. Hall one of their best arms. So they wanted to have him as part of the roster and out of the bullpen, which is what you wanted him to do anyway. It just hasn't gone the way that we had hoped it would go. He's still figuring yeah. things out, you know. But yeah. if they draft him to be a starter, he's got four-plus pitches. He throws 100 miles an hour from the left side. They're going to try and squeeze every bit of juice out of starting with him until they realize they fully just can't do it anymore. Okay. Stan, I'm curious what you think about Mike Bauman getting the start tonight. Are you reading into that too much? I mean, is it something where he they're, they're thinking he's going to be a factor in next year's rotation, maybe a factor in next year's bullpen, is in the back of the bullpen? How much is Mike Bauman going to get a look in these next two years? Um, he's kind of resurfaced, you know, he's kind of returned from the dead, so to speak. You know, I mean, he hasn't been, he's got, he's got an excellent arm. Um, his problem is he doesn't command his repertoire enough to make it through a rotate, you know, through a lineup two two and a half to three times, you know, five and a half, six innings. My guess is they think he gives them the best chance early in this game. Um, you know, first of all, we're facing the uh, best pitcher. We're facing Valdez tonight, correct? Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, twenty. What is it? Twenty-five yeah. straight quality starts. Yeah. That's insane. Right, right. The only thing he has going against him, he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> um, but um, I, I don't. I honestly think that they just didn't want to push anybody else. I don't think they really view Watkins as somebody that could could give them a chance to win. I think this is a basically an opener plus game for Michael Bauman okay. right now. Okay. I, but I do think I do think that they've been they've been happy with what they've seen out of them, and Chris Holt and his people may be working on some things. You know, I I would love to get a chance. You know, in the old days when I used to get to the ballpark at like four four thirty, uh, you know, I'm talking about thirty years ago. I, and I used to have a great relationship with Ray Miller. I could talk to him, uh, you know, 
for 15, 20 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now the coaches are in a different room. You don't really get a lot of time with them. I mean, I could work harder at getting time. I'd love to talk more with Holt sometime about what the secret sauce is a little bit of what, where they come up with ways to improve these pitchers, because I think that's been an absolutely incredible story. This well, year. Stan, I, I said to Zach earlier in the, in the, in the introduction of the show that it's kind of like a perfect storm of Chris Holt, the analytics department and Adley Rutschman and Rutschman. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah it, it's yeah. just a perfect storm of that. And, and when we talk about Mike Ballman, the last start that he got, he went five innings against the blue Jays in game one of that double header and he gave up three runs, but let's not forget mm-hmm. that two of those runs scored on balls. that should have been inning ending right. double plays that Gunnar right. Henderson, even though it didn't mm-hmm. go down as an error, he botched those plays and was yep. only able to get one out and a run scored yep. each of those times. And Without that, Mike Ballman goes out there and he gives you five, six innings of one run ball, and you're talking about him right. differently. I, I, I'm very well, interested I've, to see I've, what he does. I've frankly, I've frankly, I've forgot that uh, that he pitched five innings in that game. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's well said. Well said. Uh, I think they're intrigued. I think they're intrigued by him. And you know, Buck used to always say, you, you know, uh, teams always want to go out and get somebody else's things, and sometimes you have the a little kernel inside your own organization, and they may want to revisit how important he could be to the team. Look, he's got a terrific, he's got a terrific, yeah, exactly. He's got a terrific arm. You put him next year, perhaps in the role that sort of Keegan Aiken had this year, Mm -hmm. a right-handed version of that, who can then spot start you, you know, but, but a guy that can pitch, if you get a game that somebody blows up in the third inning to get you to six or seven with the improved offense you think you'll have next year. You know, he could help you win some games that way. He might not get the wins, but he can help you win some games. Uh, he, could be a, he could be a valuable arm, you know, no question about it. I love that role for Mike Ballman. I, I think Keegan Aiken yeah. showed his true colors after the first couple months this year. I love that role for Mike Ballman next year. I think he's got more talent, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, no, there's no, no question about it. He's got a really great arm. So Stan, I'm just hoping Aiken. I'm just hoping Aiken has some value in the uh, trade market. You know that he hasn't. Uh, his second half of the season hasn't totally demolished that. You know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you if anybody you put you put an Austin Hayes and an Aiken <clears throat> and something else in a deal, maybe you can you can spring a, a nice return for that. You know. Uh, Mike Elias has proven to me that he can get the most out of just about any trade that, that, that he tries to go after. So uh, that's something willing that we should be willing to look at in the offseason. Yeah. Um, Stan, Trey Mancini returns to Baltimore uh, the other night, gets a huge ovation at home plate. I mean, the, the city of Baltimore just absolutely adores Trey. They really, really clung to him uh, through his bout with cancer and then coming back as comeback player of the year. Incredible ovation, but he's been hitless in the series. He's one for 16 overall versus his former team. One, talk about that moment and how special it was. And then B, this is a guy who Elias said that he might be willing to bring back. I just don't see that. I I think that the type of player Trey Mancini is now is not the type of player that fits in Baltimore moving forward. Um, I would say it's a long shot that he comes back, you know, but I don't think it's out of the question that he comes mm-hmm. back, um, you know. Would I would I rank it as a fifty percent chance that he comes back or something higher than that? No, but you know the free agent market can be an interesting 
an interesting place, you know. Yeah. Uh, they certainly, you know, the last three games have got us feeling pretty giddy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last night, the, the offensive outbreak. And let's not forget, this club is 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 missing some, some things offensively. Oh, yeah. Okay? You know, so they're going to need to go out and get somebody. And if that proves to be too prohibitive and Trey is out there and might even sign a one-year deal to play in Baltimore, you know, um, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I was not at the game Thursday night because I had uh, my Zoom at 7 o'clock that night, uh, but did get to see some video of the uh, of the moment. It was really a terrific moment. And last night, it was interesting. The crowd wa- was warming to him the first at bat, and Trey, rather than soak it in, I think he sort of went into more like, hey, I, I got a purpose up here, mm-hmm. and it's to hit for the Houston Astros. He didn't, you know, he gave a quick wave, but really just stepped into the plate and sort of dismissed the crowd that was warming to him. And I think he was doing, frankly, the right thing for yeah, himself that's what he and do. for the for the youth Astros. Yeah. Yeah, no, you yeah. had you had your moment on Thursday. Now let's get exactly. let's get, let's get took, down to business. He took right, right. There doesn't need to be four moments in this series, you know. Right. It's yeah. uh, one moment was enough. Yeah, and the Astros are trying to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So you got a job to do. Yeah. And I, I agree with you 100% there, Stan. Uh, just a couple more questions. Yeah. We, we have just a little bit of time left. We'll talk a little yeah. bit about Ramon Arias. Look, he's been a plus defender at third base, one of the best in the American League, if not the best. He's been a plus defender at second base when they put him over there. And he was last year when they had him over there. Uh, look, Gunner's going to play third base next year. Mateo's going to play shortstop. You've got guys like Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby who are tied with Santander for the franchise lead with home runs this year, and they both play second base. Is Ramon Arias' days in Baltimore numbered? Do you keep him for next year? What is the plan moving forward with this guy? Uh, again, you know, when we talk about when we talk about how we're going to get pitching, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have you're going to have to give something up to to get the kind of pitchers I'm envisioning the Orioles going after. Sure. Uh, you know, like I've mentioned, uh, Lucas Giolito. Again, last night he gave up three runs in five or six innings. He's got an ERA of 5.05. Mm. I don't I don't know the White Sox pitching coach that well. And, in fact, I think they worked together in college, uh, Giolito and this pitching coach. All I know is that I have an awful lot of faith right now in the two years I've witnessed Chris Holt as a major league pitching coach that he can – he can come up with some things that can help a struggling pitcher. And Giolito is one guy that I have in mind. Uh, I'll throw out one of the other names that came to me this week is Jesus Lazardo of the Marlins, okay. who would be, who would be, in my opinion, the absolute perfect kind of player, a pitcher that the Orioles need. I'd be all because in on. They really. What's that? I, I was going to say I'd be all in on Giolito. I really like. I'm I'm all in on that idea personally. I think that's a guy yeah. who you could really turn around because he's been. I mean, when he came up, he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Figured it out. Now he's yeah. back to one of the worst again. So I think there's definitely some room for improvement. I love that. Love that idea. So there's 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 definitely room, and he's a guy that has kind of ace like stuff that I think under the proper tutelage uh with what the Orioles and I'm sure White Sox people have analytics too, so I'm not naive to that. But I think that they could polish him. But but 
Zach, like if you watch Elias's um, whole modus operandi, it's to get left-handed hitters. That means that we want to play. We would prefer to throw left-handed pitchers sure. at our park because the left hand, the left left field wall now. Lozardo is a beast in waiting, in my opinion. And God, I cannot believe that Billy Bean and David Frost, what's it, Forced, David Forced, Forced in is, Oakland, yeah. Yeah. gave him up for for two months of Sterling Marte, Sterling Marte last year. <laughs> That's what they gave gave him <laughs> up for. No, no three for one or something. And I know he's had some injury problems. The other night he struck out like 10 or 11 batters. And I started putting together in that trade value uh, computer model some trades involving him. And you put your your Urias and, say, uh, you know, Urias and, and Hayes in a deal or something like that, a couple guys that might be somewhat expendable here. And if you could get a talent like that who, first of all, is controllable for another few years uh, salary-wise, you know, and and make a deal for a Giolito, man, you'd, you'd start to talk about a rotation that really would be, you know, potentially tops in the in the game, sort of. And Stan, you've mentioned uh, trades time and again this segment. Are you of the mindset that the Orioles are more likely to acquire that front-line starter next year for next year through a trade rather than I, through free agency? I think I think there's a a chance that they could find somebody. I haven't called the, the list yet. Um, and of course it also depends on some people, maybe like there's a Jordan Wiles somewhere else that's got an option that the team might think is expensive, but he fits more in with the Orioles. I think that they'll, they'll use any means necessary to get two or three more starters on this team. I don't think they're naive. I don't think they're naive enough to think that Tyler Wells and Zimmerman around out our rotation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, um, I, I I agree with you. And and yeah. just be, for the simple fact that you've had some injuries this year, not a lot, but you've had enough yeah. injuries in the rotation that you've got to be prepared to have numerous guys ready to go for you next year. Again, I tell the story before you let me go. Uh, four years ago, I was in spring training and listened to uh, XM Radio, and Billy Epler was on and talked about they were asking him what he thought his team was lacking in spring training. And he said, well, we've got like seven or eight starters. And he goes, I feel a lot more comfortable if we had like 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. And I had never really thought of that. I always thought you'd try and have two more or three more. But he was so aware of in today's baseball with injuries the way they are and the wear and tear on these guys. So, So having... Wells and a Zimmerman and Bauman and then acquiring two or three guys elsewhere and the five guys we've got in the rotation now, that mm-hmm. adds up to what you really need you yeah. know, to go try and compete for a championship. I, I agree, Stan. It's, it's exciting to even have that conversation right now. And, yeah, uh, I was saying to that scout that I was talking to last night with the Mets, I was talking to them about some things. And I said, it's just fun right now to really be thinking about how they can improve this roster to really be competitive next year. Yeah, and I think I think they're going to go all out. I think it's just the beginning. Yep. So, all right, Stan, yep. we, left, we left some all stuff right. on the on the board today, but uh, we'll we'll get to it another yep. time. Have a great we'll weekend. We'll get to it next week. All right, you two guys. Bye. Right, see you. 
And that was Stan the Fan Charles back for his weekly segment. He has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Stan had a busy week. Stan always has a busy week. He and Ross caught up with longtime Baltimore sports broadcaster Jerry Coleman. I wonder what Jerry's up to. I, I got to go tune great in question. for that. Because I know he was, um, unfortunately... Uh, Jerry gets a bad rap. I, I had the the pleasure of getting to know Jerry behind the scenes, and I actually really like Jerry Coleman. Um, he was unfortunately let go by 105.7. I'd like to see what what where he ended up, so I'm going to have to go check that out. Um, but So uh, Stan and Ross uh, Grimsley called up with Jerry Coleman the other day, uh, and, he also, and then he and Gary chatted with UMBC coach, soccer coach Pete Karinji. You can find all these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash videos. Stan and Ross are back on Monday. They're going to have former Orioles pitcher Bill Swaggerty. You won't want to miss that, so tune in on Monday. We have got to catch our first break. Uh, just want to remind you that today's show has been brought to you by uh, the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back from the Locked on Orioles podcast, Connor Newcomb next on the Batter Round. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests and, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That first sip... That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County 
Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas inn and everybody around baltimore knows the costas inn is a great place to go and grab crabs steaks salads soups whatever is on your mind to eat in person but did you know that the costas inn has upped their game they are now one of the premier takeout places in baltimore give them a call now to order your food 410-477-1975 that's the costas inn over 4100 north point Boulevard. Welcome back to the Batteround. Coming to you from our Towson studios on a lovely Saturday morning. A little chilly, a little chilly, but a lot of people love fall weather. I like fall weather. I don't love it because it leads to... If fall bled straight into spring, I'd be cool with it. But if fall goes straight into winter, and winter sucks. There's no getting around. Like, December's cool. But as soon as the holidays are over, it's like, all right. I don't just, disagree with that. Just, just, just get me to baseball. Like I'm done. Uh, January you can go away. February uh, you can go away. January's great if the Ravens are playing well. Yeah, yeah, but I'm um, yeah. Um, and then I mean they haven't played deep into January since what 2014. No, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, while. Um, but yeah, uh, if if you had Christmas, New Year's, and then boom, we're right in the middle of spring training. I'm good to go. But that's not the case. You have miserable January and miserable February. Wow. You know, that's, the, you just hurt those months' feelings. And that's Well, that's how I feel. Okay. Uh, to uh, Laura, my wife, her birthday is... My wife. Her, my, her birthday is in February. It's t- towards the end of February. She is hates it? it. She hates the month of February. It's her least favorite she month. She can just, like, celebrate it another time then. Well, but, yeah, but, I mean, really? I mean, we don't. Yeah, I mean, you could. I just take her to a nice restaurant, you know, and give her a smooch on the cheek and... Pat on the butt, and we're good to go. Good. No, good. Glad. I'm glad. That, that's not a thing. Uh, I want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast, you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us now on the program, friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of Zach's, um, from the Locked On Orioles podcast, he is Connor Newcomb. Connor, I learned 
Um, we got our haircut at the same place yesterday. Uh, I saw him creeping around the corner, just giving me giving me the stink. I like is that Paul Valley? And then I learned that we come from the same neck of the woods. We went to the same elementary school, the same middle school, and the same high school. However, several years apart. But maybe that's uh, maybe it was just it, it's a small world. But maybe we were just destined to work together. Connor, good morning, good afternoon. I guess no, it's morning still. Uh, thanks for taking some time for us today here on the Bat Around. How are you? You didn't unmute him. Hey, hey, hey Connor, I, I don't I don't mean to interrupt you here. We're having some kind of technical difficulties. Uh, like, I can barely hear you, and I don't think our listeners can hear you at, at all. Um, let's try that one I'm, more time. I'm going to give him a call back. He's going to give you a call back, and we'll, we'll, we'll try and get this thing going again. Sorry for the confusion there and for the difficulties. Um, we had Connor, we could, I could hear him talking very faintly. I think I made out a couple different words that he said. Um, but he was just super low. So Zach's going to call him back. We'll get him back on the line. I love talking to Connor. Hey, he's just got that voice, right? He's a, the play-by-play man for Johns Hopkins sports. Um, he's the, the host of locked on the Orioles podcast. And he's just, and what I love about Connor I get really hyped up about the Orioles, and sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, I host a show, am I losing some kind of profession, professionalism here? Um, but Connor gets hyped up about the Orioles too, and he has a lot of the same takes that I do when it comes to the team and when it comes to the manager. And um, That's not to throw him under the bus and say that, that he spews the same vitriol that I do at times, but he will not... Um, he will not be shortchanged in his opinion on the team. And that's something that I can really respect because ultimately at the end of the day, we do these shows and we, we, we produce this content because we care about the team and we want to see them do well. And with Connor, it's very evident that he wants to see the team do well. Do we have Connor back? Is he on? Connor, we got you? I think so. I think so. Yep, we, we got you, you now. Got we now? got we got you now. So, Connor, I think you were talking about how we went to the same school and graduated years apart, but I, I, I could barely make out what you were saying. So, by all means. Yeah. The, the point was, you know, it, it doesn't matter what years, how many years apart it was. Age is just a number. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I just think it's cool that we um, we both do a lot of Orioles content and we went to the same school and had no idea. I, that's uh, To me, that's very, very cool. So, Connor, um, I saw you doing a... Uh, a little hit for the Locked On Orioles podcast. It looked like you were walking away from the stadium. You were able to go to one of those games. Uh, the other, which game did you go to the other day? Yeah, so I was I was there Thursday night seeing Kyle Bradish uh, mm. wheel and deal. Yeah, and he was absolutely fantastic. And it's hard to, to think which pitcher was better. Was Lyles better? Was Bradish better? Was Kramer better? Because they, they got 80 out of 81 outs. But for my money, Connor... Kyle Bradish was the guy of those three that was just absolutely dominant in that game on Thursday. Did you come away feeling the same way? Yeah, I mean, you know, for Lyles, obviously, and, and the Orioles made the Tigers look a lot better than they are, but Detroit's got the worst offense in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan Lyles didn't strike out a lot of guys in that game. He essentially just pounded the strike zone, didn't get any three-ball counts, and got a bunch of lazy flyouts and ground balls. I mean, for Kyle Bradish to have 10 strikeouts, against that Astros order. And again, Jose Altuve wasn't playing in that game, which made it a little bit easier. But, I mean, to go eight and two-thirds, to come that close. And, and listen, if it's not a 2 nothing game, if it's 4 or 5 nothing, he's probably finishing that out at the Absolutely. shutout as well. I mean, the only reason Hyde goes to bullpen is you just want to make sure with the tying run at the plate. But that was ridiculous. And, I mean, you look at what he did. He followed the same blueprint as when he threw eight scoreless in Houston back at the end of August. It was 
sliders more than any other pitch. And the one thing we saw Bradish do that he hasn't done all year is when he first came over to Baltimore, we saw that that kind of big 12-6 curveball that he had. He mm-hmm. talks about that pitch. He's kind of refined that curveball a little bit, but that was the most he has ever thrown his curveball in one start. And he was you know, pushing 40 sliders, 25 curveballs, and you know he threw like 25 fastballs after that. And so he just saw, look, my breaking stuff is way better than my fastball. It's going to get me out, and it worked against that Astros offense. Yeah, he's been a revelation since coming off the IL. I was telling, I said it to Zach, I, I used to term it's a tale of two seasons. Uh, before the, going on the IL in 10 starts, his ERA was above 7. Since coming off the IL in 11 starts, his ERA is 2.67 with a whip of 104. Uh, what, what he's doing in those 11 starts, four of them, seven innings or more um, and two hits or less, He's been ace-like. Now, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and say that this is an ace moving forward, but it's hard not to get excited about an Orioles rotation next year where you're going to have Grayson Rodriguez in there. You're going to have Kyle Bradish, who's been dealing. You're going to have Dean Kramer, who's got a lower ERA than a lot of people that, than a lot of pitchers that came into the season as Cy Young favorites. How excited are you for this Orioles rotation, especially when you can say that they're probably going to add somebody in free agency or via trade next season? Yeah, I do think it's going to be via trade, I think. But, it's, you know, you look at this rotation, and they're going to have depth next year mm-hmm. that they've really never had. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're just going to let Jordan Miles walk. Right. Like, he's been so valuable to this team that at least for the beginning part of the season before John Means comes back from Tommy John surgery, and, you know, make it be known, John Means in no way is going to be ready for opening day next year. Oh, no way. I mean, I've been kind of holding the brakes and saying – I wouldn't expect him to be fully back to John Deans until after the All-Star break, just because sometimes, you know, TJ surgery takes longer for some guys than it does for others. So at least to have Lyles around for the first half of the season, I think would be huge next year. And, you know, you you talk about the three guys you mentioned, and Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer, and then you throw in Jordan Lyles, and then, you know, Tyler Wells for most of the season was the Orioles' best starter. You've got five guys right there mm-hmm. that I think the O's would feel at least solid about going into next year. Now, you never know because, again, Radish's first good season, Kramer's first good season, Wells' first good season as a starter. You can't rely on those guys. But if you do go trade for a starter, which I think they should, all of a sudden you look around and you go, well, we might have to move Tyler Wells back to the bullpen for a bit here. you know. Mm-hmm. And then when John Meeks comes back, well, maybe you know you can put Dean Kramer into a different role or whatever it may be. Or maybe one of these guys ends up at, at AAA. Or, you know, there's good teams like the Dodgers who will just kind of move guys in and out from the rotation to, like, swingman roles in the bullpen just because they have seven good starters, but they want to keep them all on the Major League roster. And you could see that next year. And that's without even mentioning a guy like Mike Bauman, who's starting today, or a guy like Spencer Watkins, who I think the Orioles should resign to another deal unless someone wants to give him big money. But they're going to finally have depth, and that is not something we have seen in a long time. Yeah, I don't remember the Orioles ever having the depth where you have five guys who you can pencil into your rotation right now that you're confident can get you six innings every time out, and then you have another four or five guys below them where you're confident enough that you can start them and think, you know what, we're still going to have a chance to win this game. And that's just something that's so exciting for this team moving forward because pitching wins championships. Everybody knows that. You look at... Like the 2019 Nationals, for example, their bullpen was absolutely horrible. But they found a way to get into the playoffs, and then what did they do? They used Strasburg, um, Corbin, 
and um, uh, Max Scherzer as starters and out of the bullpen, and that's how they went and won, won a championship because they were getting length out of their starters and then had aces behind them to come in and get outs when they really needed them. But I think having that kind of pitching really just makes you that much better. Now, of course, Connor, if you're going to hold your team to hold a team to three or four runs a game, you need to score four to five runs a game, and that's something that the Orioles' offense has been struggling to do this year. They seem to have had a little bit of life injected in by uh, adding Gunner, uh, Gunner Henderson, Kyle Stowers, and uh, Taron Vavra to the lineup, They're joining Rutschman as rookies in the everyday lineup. Um, what does this lineup look like in 2023 and moving forward? Yeah, I mean, they obviously are going to have to add a bat that's going to be in the middle of the order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can argue that, hey, at some point, you know, Colton Kowser and, and Jordan Westberg might be in the middle of this order, and I get that. But I do think also if the Orioles want to get a pitcher that is really going to make an impact, I think Jordan Westberg could be a guy who's traded in that deal, mm-hmm. so I'm not necessarily counting on him on being in the Orioles lineup next year. But you can't rely on rookies. You need veteran guys who have been there. And it's not just, oh, you know, go get a – you know, a name I've, I've thrown around with some Orioles people is like, oh, it's not just go get a Brandon Drury, you know, on a one- or two-year deal to, you know, have a veteran in the lineup who's produced. It's, it's time to go get a Carlos Correa, get a Xander Bogart, get a Trey Turner. The Orioles have said, Mike Elias has said, they are ready to, to spend money. You know, put, put your money literally where your mouth is, right there, and, and go get one of those guys. And obviously, those, you know, we, we don't know how connected they were to Correa or not this past offseason, but... With the Twins being an absolute disaster, I think he's going to opt out. With mm. the Red Sox being a disaster, I think Xander Bogart is going to opt out. And those two guys, I think, be perfect fits for the Orioles. And, heck, you can play him at second base, Mateo at shortstop and, and Henderson at third. But I do think, in general, obviously you're going to see Adley. You're going to see Mountcastle. I think you will see Mateo and you will see Henderson in that lineup. And, obviously, Mullins will be there. And then I think the rest of the spots are kind of up for grabs. And I think the Orioles should spend some money to upgrade a lot of those spots because, you know, maybe Santander is in there, maybe he's not. You don't know what Sowers will be long-term. You don't know what Bobber will be long-term. You need to add some more pieces to this lineup, and I think it's going to be in free agency. There's plenty of options out there. Go get some guys. Go go throw some money at a, at a Correa. Go throw some money at a Bogart, and then maybe add around the edges as well. You know, if you want to bring in a Brandon Drury to help, if you want to bring in – you know, this is a name I floated out there that has gotten a lot of positive traction, but a one-year prove-it deal for Joey Gallo to come, you know, try and hit the ball onto the flag court a little bit as he's played better in a Dodger uniform. Add those guys on the margins. What they need, Paul, is they need a Rubio Odor and a Robinson Chirinos who are just better at baseball. Guys who yeah. bring that veteran leadership but can produce. That's kind of what they need next year. Uh, and Connor, the you only mentioned one lefty. In all those names, and that was and that was Joey Gallo. And and for the record, I, I agree with you a lot. Joey Gallo is a guy who I have no desire to see ever step foot on uh, on a baseball field as a Baltimore Oriole. I just you've had so many guys that are all or nothing dudes. We just got had to watch an entire season of Roof Neto Door, and I feel like you're seeing a lot of that with Joey Gallo moving forward. Now, one guy you didn't mention, and I guess because he's going to cost you a billion dollars a year, is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge to me is the one guy that that wall has no impact on in left field. He brings that veteran leadership. He brings that power. He's an intimidating force you put in the middle of your lineup to elongates the rest of your lineup. He gets on base. He plays good defense. He's going to win a triple crown this year and an MVP. I know he's going to cost probably $50 million a year 
but I think that the Orioles would be best served to go out and sign Aaron Judge because I think he's the guy who makes who takes you from a good team to a World Series caliber team. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, you'd be crazy if you said you, you wouldn't love Aaron Judge in the Orioles lineup. I think the spending will not exactly be the $500 million man this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I just think Judge, despite, you know, he's got the C first and foremost that the Orioles have vastly improved this year. I think the wall, his public comments about it would make him, you know, think a little less about signing here. Now, obviously, if the Orioles wrote him a $500 million check, he cares where he's playing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I do think he's either going to be back with the Yankees, and I really think if he's not, he's going to be in San Francisco. I think they have a lot of money freed up, and they need a star to get that team back to where they were last year. But go after him. I mean, talk to his people. See at least what the possibility of him, you know, thinking about Baltimore is, you know, before you move on to the next guy. I don't think it's it's a super great possibility to happen, but hey, just give it a shot. Yeah, no, that that for me, he's at the top of my wish list. I know it's a pipe dream, but if somehow they made it happen, I'm putting him in that lineup. I just it makes everybody else around him better. It makes the Orioles just so much better, in my humble opinion. Now, there's been uh, speculation from the Athletic that the Orioles are one of five teams that could just add both the starter and the middle-of-the-order bat in one fell swoop by trading for Shohei Otani. Uh, here's the thing, Connor, is Mike Elias made those comments in August about how it's liftoff from here and it's all blue skies and they have payroll flexibility and they're going to be active in free agency uh, and, and this, in this offseason. Um, so that means that the Orioles are going to be linked to a lot of big-name players. I think Shohei Otani is, A, going to cost too much by way of prospect, and then he's going to cost too much as far as money is concerned. The reason I say Judge is, is, is a better option is because he's only going to cost you a lot of money. Otani's going to cost you a lot of money and some prospects that maybe you don't want to get rid of. What are your thoughts? And I, I feel like you're a guy who could temper the expectations of Orioles fans who are already on the bandwagon of we need to trade for Otani. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Shohei will have some pull in this trade. You know, not that he has, I don't think, a, a no trade clause, but I'm sure I would think the Angels would try to do a little bit right by him. Mm-hmm. And I do know that he generally wants to stay on the West Coast. And obviously, coming to Baltimore is not going to help that a little bit. So even if the O's were to pull a trade for Shohei Otani, it would be for next year. That's it, because he, he's a free agent after the season. Now, something you can think about is, well, how much is one season of arguably the best player in baseball who can pitch at a Cy Young level and hit at an MVP level worth? Mm-hmm. And to me, I would give up a lot of prospects to get Shohei Otani. I mean, anything short of you know, Rodriguez, Rutschman, and Henderson, I would give up to get Shohei Otani, even on the Orioles for one year, especially knowing that, you know, maybe they're not World Series contenders next year, but if they add Otani, and, you know, he's not going to cost that much for one year, and then they also added Trey Turner or whoever it may be, maybe they can get into the playoffs and make some noise. So, you know, I kind of made, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, uh, the guys over at, at BSL on the Verge had tweeted out the top four of the uh, Norfolk lineup the other day, and it was, you know, Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby and Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser. And I kind of have jokingly said, you know, 2023 Angels starting lineup on opening day. If that's what it took, that's probably a little much for one player and mm-hmm. one season. But if you had any inkling that he might resign in Baltimore, 
that's kind of what it would take to get him. And I wouldn't be opposed to at least having that conversation with the Angels if I'm like alive. Well, yeah, he, and you know that he's at least going to talk to them. You, you know that he's at least going to get on the phone with them and see what it's going to take. And I think it's going to cost too much, especially when you consider that he's been building so much for the Orioles to have a decade-long-plus window of, of championship baseball. Uh, for him to mortgage so much of those guys um, for one year of Otani, I just don't see Elias doing that. But I agree. He's, he's going to pick up the phone and talk to them for sure. Now, some of the guys... Connor that you mentioned in there were Connor Norby and Jordan Westberg. And it gets me wondering who's playing second base for the Baltimore Orioles in 2023. And I ask this because Gunner, he, Gunner's not a second baseman and he's going to be playing third every day for the Orioles next season. Ramona Rios is arguably the best defensive third baseman in the American league. And he's a plus defender at second base. The bat is wildly inconsistent. Westberg and Norby are tied with Anthony Santander for the franchise lead in home runs with 27. They both play second base. They're both tearing it up at AAA right now. Are one of those guys your second baseman next year? Is it Ramona Rios? Is Rios even on this team next year? What do you think the plan is moving forward for the right side of the infield? Well, to start, I'll say the perfect scenario is Trey Turner is the Orioles' second baseman next year with Jorge Mateo at shortstop and Gunnar Henderson at third. But if they don't make that big signing or if they do make a big signing, but it results in kind of that signing going to shortstop and Jorge Mateo going to the bench, which I think is possible as well. Mm-hmm. I would say right now, if there's not you know a, a trade made for a starting pitcher, Jordan Westberg is definitely closer to the big leagues just because he spent much more time in AAA. You know, he's a year older than Connor Norby is, and he's had better prospect pedigree you know, than, than Norby has had, even though they were both, drafted at, at similar points in the draft, just one year apart. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Westberg, if he's not dealt, has a really good shot, unless the O's bring in you know, a, a Trey Turner type, to be the opening day second baseman next year. And as much as Ramona Rios has given them value defensively, and as much as his underlying stats sometimes look really promising, because he hits the ball harder than most Orioles players on average. Mm-hmm. The issue is they've worked with him for three years, and they just can't get him to lift the ball consistently. He hits the ball on the ground way too much. And, yeah, he can hit some hard singles, but he's not producing like he could if he hit the ball in the air. And I just think as time passes, he might be an Oriole next year, not in the starting role. And I think after that, his time could be over, especially in the middle of the year. But I do think to get a legitimate starting pitcher, Paul, it's going to take at least one of Norby or Westberg. Yeah, I so agree. So if the O's are serious about going to get a starter – I don't think both of them are going to be in spring training with the Orioles next year because I think one of them you know, will be on the Marlins or on you know, whoever as they go and, and try and get a starter. So that obviously makes that decision a little easier. But I do think if they both were here, I think Westberg gets the first shot. I still think Westberg long-term is going to be a better big league player. I think he has more tools than Connor Norby does at this point. But, man, they are both just looking incredibly exciting this year. And, I mean, Connor Norby, obviously he was a second-round pick, so he had expectations. But to just turn on like he has in the second half has been unreal. I mean, every hour I feel like I see a new highlight of him hitting a home run in, in double-A or triple-A. Which is crazy because the power wasn't there until his final year in college. The hit tools was there. He was a 400 hitter at ECU. I look at Connor Norby and I'm like, where did this power come from? And when you combine that with the hit tool uh, – I think he's. I think he's a really promising player. Now, look, you you focus more in the minor leagues than I do. You've seen these guys play more than I have. I like Jordan Westberg. I think he's going to be a good player. I think ultimately Norby ends up being the better hitter 
do you agree or do you, and you just think Westbrook has a better all-around game or do you think that Westbrook's just better in, in each aspect? I think I still think Jordan Westbrook is going to be a better player in each aspect. I think hitting-wise, I think at best they could be equal with Westbrook as a slight edge. I think Westbrook gives you a lot more in other parts of the game. Connor mm-hmm. Norby has kind of resigned to second base. I mean, he did play left field last night in Norfolk, so he can give you a little bit of that. But Westbrook can play every infield position and play it as a plus defender as well. He was a really polished prospect coming out of Mississippi State. I mean, yeah. He almost looked big league ready when he got drafted by the Orioles. And, you know, the funny thing about Connor Norby, too, you mentioned the average in college. ECU is one of the smallest ballparks in, you know, at least somewhat major college baseball. And so even when those home run numbers went up, you're thinking, all right, he kind of popped one out. If you hit a ball to right field in that stadium, it's like Yankee Stadium but shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes you can just hit pop- pop-ups out. So you kind of thought, oh, you know, he probably hit the ball a little bit harder this year, but he's not really a power hitter. But those were real home runs, apparently, because of what he's doing now. I think they're both going to be great players. I think Westberg still could be. Here's how I kind of flip them. I think Norby could be a really good hitter if you kind of second base and DH and he hits, you know, fifth, sixth, or seventh in your lineup. I think Jordan Westberg could still be like a star, and I'm not sure Connor Norby can be to that level, which is why, you know, if they're going to trade one of them, I'd rather it be Norby, but good problem to have because I think one of them gets you a really good starting pitcher and the other one gets you a lot of production on your own team. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, all these are really good problems for the Orioles to have, and having too many good players for for positions, good problem. Too many guys for your rotation, a good problem. It's exciting times for sure in Baltimore. The season has been an exciting season, even if they do fall just a bit short of the playoffs. How would you describe the 2022 season if somebody were to ask you to talk about it after the fact? I mean, a pleasant surprise would be the, the number one thing to go to there. I mean, did anyone out there, even in their wildest dreams, expect more than 70 wins from this team? I mean, people no. might tell you that, but I don't know if they're being serious. I mean, I, I put 70 as like the best case scenario at the beginning of the season when, when we were previewing the year over on the podcast. It was like, if they could get to 70 wins, which would have been an 18-win improvement, I was like, that puts you in a good spot to have a winning record in 2023, and things can go on from there. But they are three wins away from a winning record. And they're going to get one. And listen, you know, they're, they're just three back of the Mariners right now. I mean, they're just four and a half back of Toronto, the team they really need to be chasing. They're still in a playoff chase here with a couple of weeks left in this season. So obviously pleasant surprise on the surface doesn't even do justice to how crazy this season has been. But basically the way I look at this year is if you're talking to another, you know, pretty diehard Orioles fan, if they, you know, woke up from a coma and missed this entire season, I would tell them, think September 2011, but if you bottled it up and put it into an entire season, that's, that's what this great. Orioles team has been. Because they're still not quite a legit playoff team. Because 2012, you can't compare it, because that was a legitimate good baseball team, legit playoff team. Mm-hmm. But if you bottled up September of 2011 and you put it into a whole season and you saw all the promise and you said, wow, next year is going to be the year, that's kind of how it's felt all this season. Yeah, that, I've never heard. It, I've never thought about it in those terms, and that's actually, I think, a great way to put it. It's just that that excitement uh, that you had from the, that. Well done, Connor. Well done. Now, now you mentioned um, you, you mentioned 
kind of diehard Orioles fans and their expectations for the team and everything like that. And you and I have been quite outspoken at times on Twitter. Me more so. I, I have spit some serious vitriol uh, a time or two over the last couple of months. But you don't hold back either when you feel like there's an issue with the team or you feel like something's being done that shouldn't be done. And people come at us saying that this team has far exceeded expectations and we should be happy with the season. And while I think that you and I can both agree that when the season's over, we will be happy with the, the season and the incredible progress made, can you explain for our listeners that when your team gets better, you can be happy that the team has played well and still be dissatisfied at a missed opportunity at the playoffs? Because I feel like people don't, don't correlate the two things. It's either you're really happy that the season has gone well or you're unhappy because they didn't make the playoffs. And you can be both. Yeah, I mean, as you win more, expectations go up. Fan expectations especially go up, and, and that's natural. I mean, you know, this team had nothing to lose. You know, you remember the 10-game winning streak that kind of put the O's in a position where you started thinking, wow, if they kept doing this, maybe they'd be close to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, even when that winning streak ended, it wasn't like, oh, you know, this and that, because there were still no expectations by the time that winning streak ended. But then they won 10 in a row, and then they kept having winning months, and they kept winning two out of three, and all of a sudden, you know, they were a half game back of a playoff spot at one point, and there come the expectations. And it's perfectly normal to say this season has been better than anyone could have imagined, and also be incredibly, incredibly disappointed with how they played in the first two games against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Because you look at that series, and you go, Wow, the O's have a pretty tough schedule. Here's their one last chance to sweep a team, probably. And what did they do? They played their worst game of the season on Monday night against Detroit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's fine to be disappointed in that because the team has shown that they are close to the playoffs, and they obviously put themselves behind the eight ball when you go 7-14 in April. It's tough to climb out of that hole sometimes. But you can't be losing to the Tigers five out of six. So right. I think it's perfectly healthy to, to see both sides of the coin. And here's the thing, you know, going into next year, this team's going to have expectations for the first time since 2017 going into a season. Mm-hmm. And from the jump, it's going to be like that. So it's almost like, hey, you know, we can warm ourselves up a little bit with the expectations and a little bit of disappointment for this team. And then uh, it's going to be full go next year. I don't know if that's going to make things worse or better on social media. We will see. I kind of almost don't remember at this point what it was like the last time the O's went into a season with expectations. But uh, either way, it's been fun. And that's part of being a fan of a, of a good team. You have expectations, and you know you you kind of get disappointed when the team doesn't uh, play up to their you know potential. All right, and what are, what are your expectations for twenty twenty three? Is it get to the playoffs or is it go chase a championship? It's get to the playoffs. I think if the Orioles could get into the playoffs, especially now with the extra team in the American League, and it's going to be tough. I mean, Houston doesn't go anywhere. The Yankees, even if they lose Judge, aren't going anywhere. The Rays are always going to be there. The Blue Jays are building something special. And the Mariners are building something special. And unfortunately, one team from the AL Central has to make the playoffs. And that's mm-hmm. how much we hate it because those teams stink. But, you know, you look at the AL, and it'll help that the O's will only play 14 games instead of 19 games against each of their division opponents starting next year. That's certainly going to help them. You know, when you don't have to play the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the Rays 19 times, your schedule gets a little bit easier. And so I think you're gunning for the playoffs. And really, you know, I have expectations for the offseason. They need to bring in, whether it's a starting pitcher in a trade or, you know, one of these shortstops via free agency, first before they even step on the field in 2023. I am expecting to see this team bring in an impact player out from outside the organization. And then it's time to, you know, go shoot for 90 wins next year 
and make the postseason. I don't see this team being built into a World Series contender by next year, but I can see the pieces start to really fall in. You get a full season of Adley, a full season of Gunner. The starting rotation comes together. You add a star to the middle of this lineup. You know, the Orioles are kind of going to be the sexy team next year in spring training, similar to what, you know, the Tigers kind of were for some people. But I don't think they're going to crash and burn like Detroit has. They're going to be a a better team. And it's going to be funny seeing the O's talked about by, you know, kind of the national media for probably all of spring training, especially if they do make some moves this offseason. And then finally, MVP, Judge Rotani. It's Judge. I think I so mean, too. Otani, I think, is the better baseball player, but if you hit, you know, 62, you break that, that American League, that Yankees record, and you are on a team that I don't think should weigh in too much, but the Angels are just so bad, and the Yankees are at the top of their division. And I think Judge has owned baseball this year. Whoever owns baseball that year should usually get the MVP. Otani owned baseball last year. Yeah. Judges owned baseball this year. I give him the MVP. That's a great way to put it. Well, uh, again, well said. Connor, always a pleasure having you on the show. You're welcome anytime. Hopefully we get to talk to you here soon down the line. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Oh, hey, uh, do me a favor real quick. Uh, go ahead and plug the podcast. I, I, I almost forgot to ask you. Yeah, Locked On Orioles uh, comes out wherever you get your pods every day, Monday through Friday. We're on YouTube as well and on Twitter at Locked On Orioles. Make sure to follow along. This team somehow, some way, still in this playoff race with two weeks left. All right, we, we look forward to it. Connor, we'll talk to you soon. All right, have a great weekend. You too. All right, see you. And that was Connor Norby, the host of the Locked on Orioles. Connor Norby, did I call him Connor Newcomb. That was Connor <laughs> Newcomb. Wow, Connor Norby. Uh, you close. just got Connor Norby on the mind. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Connor Newcomb joining us uh, from the Locked on Orioles podcast. Always enjoy having Connor on the show. Um, want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. You can see Olympic athletes in action as the na- nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through, through 16th in Cecil County. We are going to catch a break. Running pretty long today with both of our guests, but that's all right. We will power through when we come back here on the batter. It's the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter next. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The Maryland Lottery presents Raven's Greatest Plays. 2021, the game on the line. With three seconds left, the Ravens connect on an impossibly long 66-yard field goal to beat Detroit, the longest field goal in history. Another great Ravens play belongs to Touchdown Joe from Silver Spring. Joe scratched a Raven scratch-off and won a top prize of $100,000. You could be next. Play Raven scratch-offs to win instant cash or enter to win great second-chance prizes. Please play responsibly. 
See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today welcome back to the bat around today's show brought to you by the latest edition of press box which is available now on the cover both smoke profiles ravens tight end mark andrews path to nfl stardom still says parth uh, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to, Mar- to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season is now underway. Maryland with a big game against Michigan. They're going to get blown.
blown out. Towson with uh, not a big game today. They beat Morgan the other day, though, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Week uh, one. Uh, and everything you need to know for betting football this season is also in our latest press box print edition. It is available for free at over 500 area locations, including... 60 Royal Farm Stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. It is now time for the payoff pitch around the league, which is brought to you again by the Maryland Five Star. And again, you can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory on October 13th through the 16th in Cecil County. And with that in mind, the payoff pitch around the league. Adley Rutschman Homer didn't reach base four times, driving in two runs and even stole a base, but Dean Kramer stole the show, throwing a complete game shutout on just four hits as the Orioles defeated the Astros for the fourth time in five tries, six to nothing. Albert Pujols made history Friday night as he hit two home runs, the second of which was the 700th of his career, joining Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth as the only members of the elite club. Pujols also joined Aaron as the only two players in history with 700 home runs and 3,000 hits. Oh, and the Cardinals defeated the Dodgers 11 to nothing. Randy Rosarena homered and drove in six for Tampa Bay as they handled the Blue Jays 10 to six. Brady Singer tossed seven innings of one-run ball, striking out eight to pick up his 10th win and lower his ERA to 299 in the Royals' 5 to one victory over the Mariners, the loss shortened Seattle's lead to just three games over the Orioles for the final wild card spot. Aaron Hicks homered and drove in two, and Aaron Judge mustered just a measly single, and the Yankees beat the Red Sox 5-4. Mm. to four. Reese Hoskins homered, doubled, and drove in four to back six shutout innings from Aaron Nola as the Phillies stomped the Braves 9-1. Andrew McCutcheon drove in three runs, including the thousandth of his career, to lead the Brewers over the Reds 5-3. Patrick Wisdom homered and drove in two in a Cubs 6-5 win over the Pirates. Braxton Garrett recorded a quality start, allowing run, one run in six innings, while John Birdie doubled and stole his Major League leading 37th base in the Marlins 5-2 win over the Nationals. The Guardians recorded six of their seven hits in a five-run six to pick up a 6-3 victory over the Rangers in a game in which not one Cleveland player really did anything noteworthy despite the victory. Juan Soto homered and drove in two, but Alan Trejo laced an RBI walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th to push the Rockies to victory over the Padres 4-3. Taylor Ward homered twice, and Shohei Otani struck out seven while also walking six over five innings of two-run ball to pick up his 14th win as the Angels downed the reeling Twins 4-2. Jonathan Scope homered, and Eduardo Rodriguez allowed three runs over six innings as the Orioles... I mean Tigers, defeated the White Sox 5-3. Eduardo Escobar hit a grand slam, and Chris Bassett spun eight innings of two-run ball despite just two Ks to lead the Mets to a shellacking of the A's 9-1. And finally, Carlos Rodon, who a lot of people feel is a future Oriole, lasted just four and a third innings, allowing four runs on four hits, uh, including three walks and seven strikeouts. But it was J.D. Davis with the walk with the RBI go-ahead double in the ninth inning to lead the Giants over the Diamondbacks 6 to 5. Let's do it. Saturday games coming up today. Red Sox and Yankees, that classic matchup. Red Sox at Yankees today, 105 at Yankee Stadium. Nick Pavetta and Domingo Herman. Braves and Phillies divisional matchup there, 405 at Citizens Bank Park. Kyle Wright and Bailey Falter go head to head. Kyle Wright is a 19 game winner looking for his 20th. Wow. Uh, this, yeah, that's, he's been really, is really good. Is he the only one who's got a shot at it? Maybe Verlander? I don't know. That's a good question. Ver- I know Verlander Gon- could be close. Gonson was cruising. He was like 16 yeah. and 1, and he got hurt. Yeah. Well, this guy probably would have won 20 games had he been healthy 
all year. Jacob DeGrom starts for the Mets today against the Oakland A's, 407 at the O.co. Ken Moldachuk takes the hill for the A's. What a name. Yeah, it's a good one. Blue Jays and Rays, Alec Manoa versus Drew Rasmussen, 610 at Tropicana Field. A 14-game winner in Manoa. Uh, Rasmussen's had a really good season, 292 ERA, so a really good pitching matchup within the AL East. There, another divisional matchup, NL East this time. Nationals at Marlins, 6-10 in Miami. Eric Fetty versus Sandy Alcantara. Cubs and Pirates, Wade Miley versus Johan Oviedo, 6-35 at PNC Park. Corbin Burns, the ace of the Brewers. He's won 10 games of the 3-1-2 ERA. He'll face Graham Ashcraft and the Cincinnati Reds, 6-40 at a great American ballpark. For Amber Valdez, he's had an excellent season. 16 wins, 2.57 ERA. He takes the hill for the Astros against Mike Ballman and the Baltimore Orioles 705 here in Baltimore at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Kyle Quantrill will start for the Guardians. He's been really good as well this season. Great pitching matchups today. 705 Globe Life Field, Guardians, Rangers. Glenn Otto on the hill for the Rangers. Logan Gilbert versus Chris Bubich. 710 at Kauffman Stadium, Mariners and Royals. Angels, Reed Detmers, the rookie, he was having another really good season, threw a no-hitter earlier this year. 710 at Target Field, he'll face off against Joe Ryan and the Minnesota Twins. Tigers at White Sox, Drew Hutchison versus Davis Martin, 710 at Guaranteed Rate Field. You Darvish, the ace of the Padres against Chad Cool and the Rockies, 810 Chad at the Coors Field. Giants at D-backs. The former Oriole Alex Cobb takes on Merrill Kelly, who's won 12 games for the D-backs this year, 8-10 at Chase Field. Final game of the night, the former Yankee Jordan Montgomery. He'll, and him and his Cardinals will take on Clayton Kershaw, the legendary Clayton Kershaw, and the Dodgers, 9-10 at Dodgers Stadium. Really good pitching matchups today, up and down across the board. Um, you know, guys like Framber Valdez on the hill today, Corbin Burns, it's going to be a fun day. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds it sounds like it. I was just going over take to rake, and I'm like, anytime I pick somebody who's on fire, they have like their worst. I was going to say, I don't think Gunner had a great week. Yeah, he had a better. Oh, you've he, you've he won had, quite a bit. What? You've won quite a bit this year. You've won way more. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty but, sure you've you've won way more after me totally dominating each of the first two years. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty my, sure you. Are we my, still, com- we, my comeback season. We still have to have to go through all of this, but it's just it's irritating to look at the numbers and be like, really, man, you had like your worst. I, I don't think I picked Cedric. I don't think he had a great week either. No, he did. He he did not. No, he he did not. But uh, it's just I'm I'm looking at it, and then I should have taken the victory last week because Rutschman had a better week than Santander did. Then, but, take, then take it. I'm not. But I'm, but I but we were like, you know what? The, the, neither one of them raked, so we'll let it, let it be Saturday. Rutschman went 0 for three, and Santander had. You two will hits. not make me upset. Um, it, whatever, man. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a grown man. I I made the decision with you to let it be for Saturday, so you won last week. We're gonna get to take the rake later in the program. I was just going over it, and I'm just quite irritating. Anyway, there's a couple things I want I want to talk about. First off, I want to talk about the Shohei Otani. Um, trade rumors this is assuming he even gets traded sure right um just because a publication talks about it yeah doesn't mean that it's going to happen um but the angels probably the best thing they could possibly do for their franchise is to trade otani and honestly they should probably trade mike trout probably should um although i don't know he's mike trout right so he's always going to get you get you a, a big return yeah He's not the same player. The, no. the, the the power is still ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're looking at a guy who missed fifty games. He's gonna have a forty homer season. Yeah. Right. Um. He doesn't steal bases anymore. No. Uh. He's probably gonna have to move to a corner outfield spot. He's been hurt a lot recently. He's got that degenerative back issue apparently that he's gonna have to deal with for the rest of his life now. Um. But you could still get 
some serious prospects for Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a, a guy king's who, ransom. Mike Trout's still a guy that you can you, you can bring to any team and have him DH, play some outfield, and he's going to hit. He's going to hit 280 to 300, and he's going to hit 40 homers, and he's going to drive uh, in over 100. He's going to be one of those guys, I think, that ends up in the last four years of his career or so as maybe a guy who's totally bat first and defense in a very far second. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think he's the same athlete he once was. No. And, well, he, I mean, he, he, and the injuries have played a, a huge part in that. Some serious stuff happens once you yeah. hit 30. Uh, uh, like, I, sure. I, I, I can attest to that. He, Every year, your body gets a little worse. Right, and he's 31 now, and I think he'll be in the league for quite a bit longer. And I, I do think the Angels, if they do decide to trade him, will get a massive return for Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Because he is Mike Trout, and he's hitting 273 this year, and he's been over a five-war player, and he's hit 36 home runs. So I, I do think they're going to get and he's a lot. Played, and, and he's played, what, 110 games? He right? has played uh, 109, yeah. So yeah. it's it, he is a guy who is still going to bring back a massive return, but Otani will get considerably more. Otani would be, I think, maybe... <sighs> Maybe a fifty percent better return than what even what Juan Soto yeah. got. I mean, he's a guy who is a ace at the front line of your rotation and a guy who's a three or four hitter in every lineup. He is the most unreal player in baseball right now, and that he far exceeds Aaron Judge. Even though in talent level, even though uh, Aaron Judge is probably going to win MVP this season, this guy is a, a, the best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball, one of the best hitters in baseball at the same time. That I, to me, that far exceeds anything anybody else in baseball can do. See, I don't know. I, I, people say that. And I think it's just such a disservice to Aaron Judge. I I, I really do. And, and, Aaron Judge can't be a, a number one starter in any rotation, though, because Aaron Judge wasn't brought up that way. But, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Aaron Judge wasn't brought up that way. Mm-hmm. When yeah. when Otani was growing up, you you did both, right? Sure. You, you you did both, and he could he could hit. He man, he could hit. But he can also pitch really well. And in, in yeah. the and in the KBO, this is that's what we do. You know what I mean? You pitch, you hit, and this is uh, not all. Not everybody does that, but I think it happens more there yeah. than it did over here. And he was Aaron Judge has a cannon for an arm. You're really going to tell me that if Aaron Judge wasn't brought up as a pitcher and they didn't say, you know what, we think you can do both really well, then th- that he wouldn't have been able to, to be uh, the guy has an absolute cannon for an arm. He does. You think but- he, he he can't come in there and and if he had been raised to be a pitcher and a hitter his entire life, that he wouldn't be able to do what, what Shohei Otani I mean, has done? I mean, it's possible. We, we, don't, we don't have proof we, one we, way or the other. Right. We, we, so. we, we don't know. We don't know. But you can't definitively say that he couldn't have if he had been brought up the same way. At some point in Aaron's career, they said, you're huge and you drop bombs. This is where you're going to make where, mm-hmm. where you're gonna make all your bread. So this is what you're going to do. Right? I, 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 look, I look at Nick Markakis. Right? Nick Markakis was a pitcher and a hitter in college. Right. And he would have been a first... They, were, they said he was a first-round pick mm-hmm. either as a pitcher or an outfielder. The Orioles decided to make him an outfielder. If they had decided they wanted him to be a pitcher, if they decided they that they wanted him to do both, you just didn't do that anymore. But, you, okay. So, so, so Nick Markakis... And, let me pump the brakes here and make sure the people that are listening know that I'm not saying Nick Markakis could have been Shohei Otani. I don't think he could have been Shohei Otani. But there's nothing that, that can convince me that Nick Namarcakis couldn't have been a quality pitcher and a quality big league hitter at the same time. He probably could have been, and a lot of guys aren't given that chance. You're correct. A lot of guys do not get the chance that Shohei Otani did. But the, the thing about Shohei Otani and, and what I think is so remarkable about him is that this is not just any pitcher. This is a guy who's won 14 games on the Los Angeles Angels this year and has a 2.47 mm-hmm. ERA as he's, a pitcher. He's very good. And has hit... 
34 home runs while batting 271 with an on-base percentage of 358. To me, this is... I don't think there's any other guy, even if Aaron Judge was brought up as a pitcher, is he going to win 14 games and, and on a team like the Angels and, and give him a 2-4-7 ERA? I mean, that's remarkable let, numbers. Let, let, it's remarkable. Let, let me ask you this. If they tell Shohei Otani, we want you to be strictly a hitter, mm-hmm. is he ever going to sniff an MVP? Uh, that's that's a, go- a good question. I, I think... Probably not, but he did hit 46 home runs last year. Mm-hmm. So, and how many did he hit after the All Star break? That's a question. And what was his batting that. average after the All Star break? Because he, I couldn't he, tell because you. Because he, he wore down. They ask a lot of him. They, he, they, they ask a lot sure. of him. Okay. Yeah. Now, if they said to Shohei Otani, as good as your bat is, we think you're that much more valuable as a pitcher, mm-hmm. and they ask him to give up hitting full time and be a pitcher, you can hit the days that you pitch. How about that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is he ever going to win a Cy Young? Uh, with a two four seven ERA, maybe it's possible. No. If if you have a bad, I mean, look, look at the year Rick Porcello won Cy Young. Rick Porcello did not. I mean, he was he was great. Don't get me wrong. That but was that was with a juiced baseball. Okay, but and that was the only good, say that, and that was the again. only good year Rick Porcello had. I know, but I'm just saying who 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 can say that won't happen again? You know, I I'm I'm still in the camp. I I think that is possible. I think that's possible. I mean, Rick Porcello that year he had a three fifteen ERA. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's it's a it's a possibility. Maybe they bring that back and Shohei Otani. I'm playing maybe a little bit of devil's advocate here, but I, and I'm doing the same thing. I, I think Shohei Otani is just unreal, and I don't think there's anyone who can do it like him. So and so when I look at the MVP discussion between these two, right? I look at Shohei Otani, and it's kind of he's he's a victim of his own success mm-hmm. because he was incredible last year. He's been incredible this year. He's going to be incredible next year. Yeah. He's not going to win the MVP every year. Right, he can't. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he could, could, but he can't. But he's, he, right. he, but he's not going to. Yeah. Right? Not and, a guy and, hits. and I don't think you can definitively say Shohei Otani is far and away a better baseball player than Aaron Judge. Because there's one thing that Otani does that Aaron Judge doesn't do. Everything else that Aaron Judge does that Otani, do, that Otani also does... Judge is better at. My point there, though, is that he does that one thing, but he does that one thing really, really, really well. He walked really six guys well. last night. Okay. In five innings. He okay. walked six guys in five innings. He, he See, and, and that's, like I say, he's a victim of, of his own success. We are a victim of our eyes seeing something we've never sure. seen before, right? Because I think if you just isolate Otani as a pitcher or you isolate him as a hitter, mm-hmm. He's very good. He's an all-star. I don't think he enters the MVP conversation. I, probably right. Yeah, you're probably I, right. I, I think that Aaron yeah. Judge is always in the MVP conversation. So, it's, it's, and, and my argument here isn't that one's more deserving than the other. Although, I think if you set an American League home run record and you win a triple crown and your team wins their division, yeah. that you should be the runaway MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love how Connor, how Connor Newcomb put it when he said... Um, Shohei Otani was the talk of baseball. Like he owned baseball last year, yep. and he won the MVP. Judge has owned baseball this year. He should win the MVP. I, I I love that he put it that way. Yeah. My whole argument is you were really discrediting how incredible Aaron Judge is by saying that Shohei Otani is far and away a better baseball player because I don't think he is. Because look, man, I can hit and I can pitch. I'm never the best player on my team. There are plenty of guys on my team that can hit, 
but can't pitch. And I don't think I'm better a better baseball player than they are. But it, 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 what, it, what it comes down to is, I think that they are both incredible talents. Two, two of the best players we have ever seen Correct. in the game of yeah. baseball. Uh, but I, I'm not going to sit there and say one's better than the other because one guy has was afforded the opportunity to do something that the other guy just wasn't afforded that opportunity. You'll never convince me that Aaron Judge with that with that arm that he has couldn't have been a successful pitcher. It, you just can't convince me of that. We spent way too much time on that. Um, the Orioles. Do you think that they're that they? So Connor said that he would trade a package of Kalser, Norby, Westberg, and who was the other guy? Joey Ortiz, I think. He said. And Joey Ortiz. Yeah. Uh, that's a package I wouldn't I, I wouldn't hate giving up. Although I I, I still think that Kalser's bat is going to be really mm-hmm. special. Um, maybe not a big home run guy, but I think his bat's going to be special yeah. at the big league level. If you're not giving up Grayson Rodriguez or Gunnar Henderson, right. I'm 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 cool with it. I'm not cool with giving up a huge package of players for one year. So of I Otani. I have two things on this. So number one, if I gave up that package, it would have to be, um, uh, we'd have to be under the assumption that Otani's signing an extension and staying in Baltimore long term. That's the number one thing. You're not giving that up for a year. Mm-hmm. But what I will say too is that I think that package is actually light. I think they're going to get more than that for Otani. Oh, they are. I, they're they are. going to get a, uh, quite a bit more. You're, you're not going so to get Otani for two top 100 prospects. No. I mean, it's going to be... Juan Soto got considerably more than that. And, I, again, I think this could be like 50% more than what Juan Soto got. Because it's he is Shohei Otani, and he fills... A, you know your three or four gap in your lineup and the number one spot in your starting rotation. So to me, you're going to get the Angels are going to get a king's ransom. I'm going to use the term again for the, Shohei Otani because he's incredible in, in every part of the game right now. Um, I I don't think the Orioles are going to have a huge shot at him, but I think they're going to try. I mean, they, uh, sh- yeah, and they uh, should try. Mike Elias is going to talk to every team about any about right, every, about right. everything and to see what he can do and wh- what he can get. He's going to see if he, what's the most he can get in the trade for giving up the least, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to add to this team. He wants to add quality players, but he also wants to ensure that his team is still going to be successful right. beyond 2023. Yeah. And he said a, a decades-long window of, of, of championship-caliber baseball, you don't do that by trading away five top prospects for one guy for one year. Right. That, one, that, one year doesn't make sense. That, that's not how you how you build a, a perennial winner. Right. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I do think, because I was thinking this last week, and I... And and I'm glad to see that Stan and um, Connor are on the same thought process. I do think that the Orioles spend their money on a bat this year, and mm-hmm. I think that the pitching comes from a trade. I agree. I, I, I think really that's, do. I think that's most likely. Especially I, I, because of what you already have in your rotation. Yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense to go spend $40 million a year or $30 million a year on a starting pitcher. Yeah. When you can trade for one and have them under team control, right? And I think as you know, as soon as that trade deadline hits, too, they could be looking to you know to make another move. Maybe it's they trade for a bat at the trade deadline or something. Mm-hmm. When it, you know, once next August comes around, but it's going to be interesting. I, I definitely think they they're definitely going to want to add a bat. They're definitely going to want to add a pitcher. It's which one is the priority and which one you want to go and get the better player at. I, I think is the big question. I, I do agree. I think they'll try to get a bat because the offense they've seen that the offense is maybe not quite there yet, and that they're mm-hmm. going to fall a little bit quiet at some points in the season that they're going to have to to make some changes there. So you've got guys like Colton Kowser coming. You've got Jordan Westberg coming. But a established veteran bat who can you know sit in the middle of your order and produce 30, 40 home runs a year is going to be a big thing for them. It would be a huge thing. Yeah, and the other thing that I look at with that, and Connor mentioned a couple of names. You know what I mean? He, he, he mentioned Carlos Correa. And he, Bogarts, and Trey he Turner. mentioned Bogarts. He mentioned Trey Turner. Yeah. None, I mean... I mean 
Carlos Correa playing his home ball games in a hitter in a pitcher's park yeah. uh, out at, at, at Target Field in Minnesota. I mean, twenty-one home runs this year. Yeah. He's a five. He's a five-win player. Five-point-one yeah. win player. Two-eighty-eight batting average. He's driven in. He's driven in sixty. Um, that's not a guy that I want to sign for the middle of my order. I mean, his career. No, that's not a middle of the order. Bat. He's not a middle of the order bat. Trey Turner is. You look at what Trey Turner's done. Trey Turner is maybe not. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to look him up, and I'm getting notifications from my ring camera at home. And what is happening here? Can I say that I kind of hate baseball reference? I like baseball reference. Too many ads. It, it's, Too many it, ads. it's my go-to, but it's so glitchy. Yeah. You go, you go to put your finger on <laughs> right. it, and it moves. It moves down, and then you hit like yeah. 1997, and <laughs> it takes you to that year. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's my favorite place to go for baseball uh, content or baseball stats and whatnot. So I look at Trey Turner. Uh, Trey Turner is going to turn 30 uh, at the end of June next season. He has the same birthday as my niece, Adelina. Um, 4.8 win player this year, 20 homers, 30 or thir- uh, 300 batting average. He's driven in 97, which is already a career high for him, and he's stolen 25 bases. Yeah. The common thing here between Trey Turner and Carlos Rodon, Carlos Rodon, Carlos... <sighs> My brain's like not functioning. Car- and Carlos Correa is that you have two guys that profile to hit one, two, or three. Correct. Yeah. For you. Yeah. And that's fine. Maybe you want to bat Rutschman fourth, but I think that by signing those guys, mm-hmm. you're still having Ryan Mountcastle or Anthony Santander hitting fourth. Right. And the reason you need a number four hitter on this team is to move those guys out of those situations yeah. where you're having. Um, I, I think your ideal lineup should have Mountcastle and Santander never batting higher than fifth. I agree with that for sure. You yeah. know, and, and so for me, if it's not Judge, it's not Judge. I, I know that Aaron Judge is a pipe dream, but it's got to be somebody, and maybe you have to get this guy through a trade that is a threat to Homer every time he steps to the plate. He's a threat. He's a guy who maybe it has to be a left-handed bat, but it's got to be a guy who a hits, hit, drops bombs. B gets on base and C hits for decent average. So I, I'm just looking it up. I believe JD Martinez is a free agent this offseason. I wouldn't, I would not hate that. I mean, always been a big fan. He, he and he, and he homers to right field a he, lot. He does. I, I, he's been kind of a down season for him. I mean, only 12 home runs, but he also hasn't. I mean, he's played 129 games, so more than I thought. But he hasn't had a great year. But if you look at the numbers last year, he did hit 28 home runs and his on base percentage was 349. That's a guy I feel. Decently comfortable about throwing into the middle of the lineup. If you, if you pay him, I don't know. He he's coming off a massive contract, where he made a hundred plus million dollars. But um, and I'm not sure if there's an option on him. I have to check on that. And the, but the, the batting average is consistently up there. But it I mean, is. this this is two subpar years for him. Out it of, is out of three. I mean, but he is 35 years old, so yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah, I don't know that that's a bat that makes sense for them. I don't know uh, at the right and, price, and, and, and I and I'd have to take a look at it. Xander Bogarts is another guy who, who's mm-hmm. a two or th- two or three hitter, yeah, um, not or or a leadoff hitter. And may, again, maybe you have to trade for this guy, yeah. but I just and look if, if if the Orioles the first move they do is to sign Trey Turner, I'm going to be thrilled. Oh yeah, I'm going to be thrilled. Oh, yeah. I, I I think that that makes you able to move Cedric Mullins out of the leadoff spot. Right, I'll be thrilled with that, but I don't think that it really. I just don't see it solving the main issue with this team. And the main issue with this team is that they have too many guys that strike out yeah. um, and hit for low average and low on base percentage that that don't drive in runs when you really need them. I mean, how many times have you seen the three, four, five slots fail to? It happened in last night's game. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Santander up with runners on uh, second and third. Or, 
he was up with the bases loaded. He struck out, and then Gunnar Henderson came up, and God love Gunnar. He grounded out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the one time the kid doesn't come through, and we, we remember <laughs> right. it because it was a big part in the game. So the, for me, it's got to be somebody that you can plug in that can that, it, it, that strikes fear more, in the opposing more, more than fair. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, we've gone way too long here. There was other stuff I wanted. Oh. Last thing, do you think Brandon Hyde is a manager next year? And the reason I ask you this is because I was going back and forth with somebody, and they were saying there are three guys that that they that are um, data analysts that tell Brandon Hyde, they give Brandon Hyde three or four lineups every day and mm-hmm. tell him to pick which one he likes the best or whatever. I'm like, there's no way that that's true. There's no way that a manager, he's like, you would do the same thing for $2 million a year. Well, I guess, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, the point being, he said, I do, however, think that they're going to hire Joe Madden in the offseason. I think Joe Madden's comments the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, where he basically said, I'll never manage again if it's a team, if, if teams are heading in a direction where the manager has less say and it's all about the analytics and yeah. all that. Um, d- but do you think that Brandon Hyde is still the Orioles manager in 2023? Do you think that they're like, look, we have a, a team that can contend now. We want to bring in a guy who knows how to get there, and when he gets there, knows how to win. I'm 95% sure, yes. That he's a, that he's a manager? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost certain he is, yeah. too. But the fact that somebody else who, defi- despite the fact that he rags on me a lot, I do respect his opinion. Um, the fact that he said that he thinks that Brandon High might be gone, um, I figured it was worth at least talking about for 37 seconds. So, <laughs> all right, we got to catch our final break. I uh, want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, which is coming soon. It is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get 100% off your order. And when you head to Ravens home games this year, Mother's is throwing another tailgate party at Hammerjacks right next to the stadium on Russell Street. Come by starting at 9 a.m. and before, during, and after every Ravens home game, it's free to get in. There's also an all-inclusive option for $49 of premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets and details are available at hammerjacks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to stop by the press box Kinsu Grills tint for free samples and contests. We got to get our final break. When we come back, take the race and final thoughts that and more next on the battle round the baltimore county police department is hiring entry-level officers start at close to fifty-nine thousand a year with a ten thousand dollar bonus some restrictions apply plus a great retirement plan medical dental and vision insurance advancement to specialized units tuition reimbursement 15 sick days earned per calendar year and even further incentives for military members and veterans if you have a passion for service and want a career for life visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542 you must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens' Greatest Plays. It was called the Mile High Miracle, a 70-yard touchdown pass against Denver with 30 seconds left to send the game into overtime. The Ravens eventually won, propelling them to the championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Diane from Annapolis. Diane played Raven scratch-offs and won season tickets for 20 years. You could be next. Play Raven scratch-offs with instant prizes up to $100,000. And please play responsibly. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at pressboxonline.com. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Welcome back to the Batter Round. Excellent show today. Um, Stan was great. Connor Nor... Con- I keep wanting to call him <laughs> Connor Norby. Connor Newcomb was great as always. A um, lot of lot of really co- quality baseball talk. And that's my favorite thing is getting to just talk baseball. Yes. You know, not not like 
you know, what should Brandon Hyde have done or this, that, and the other? Why is Ruth Nettledor so not just actually talking baseball and opinions on things? And so today has been a really fun show for me. And now the best part of the show, everybody's favorite, Take to Rake, which is brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. Zach, have you been? To Guilford Hall I have not been to the Guilford Hall What the hell are you waiting for? It's located know. in Baltimore Station North neighborhood. It breaks the craft brew mold with great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. You can go to guildfordhall.com for complete scheduling events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Brewery, to me, is like saying rural. Uh, there was an old SNL skit hmm. with David Spade back in the day. Um, where they're like, my, he calls like this, tele, this telethon or whatever, and he's like, my friend and I are having a bed. Is it rural or rural? Rural, rural. So brewery, brewery, brewery. Wow. Yeah, anyway. This is <laughs> Welcome to the batter round. Welcome to the batter round, guys. Welcome to the batter brewery. Uh, anyway, take the rake. Uh, Zach, you took your favorite from last year, Cedric Mullins. He went 5 for 26, a double, two walks, two RBIs, 192 batting average, mm. uh, 250 on base, 231, slugging a 481 OPS. I took Gunnar Henderson, who wasn't much better. Uh, six for 27, a double, a home run, five RBIs, two walks, 222, 276, 376, slash line. I won. I won this week. Gunnar had, Gunner had, some, had some big hits. Neither one of them raked, but Gunnar Henderson was a victim of the last two nights mm-hmm. where his, the first part of his week was really good. Uh, Cedric, I think three of his hits came in the last two days. So, to me... Um, and Gunner Gunner was more productive. A four E one OPS is never gonna win you anything. Okay. You know, so uh, I, I feel like Gunner won this week. However, you won for last week because mm-hmm. it was Rutschman versus Santander. Yeah. And we decided that they neither one of them raked. We were gonna use Saturday as a tiebreaker. And Santander had, went two for three and um Rutschman went over three. So you won last week because okay. I picked first last week, even though you won because we didn't know who won at the time. I'm going to let you pick first okay. this week. Uh, give me Adley Rutschman. <laughs> Adley Rutschman. Okay. Classic pick. Hmm. So I'm looking at this lineup. I can't take Gunner because I took him last week. The Mountain. The Mountie. Mountie. He hates being called that, by the way. Ryan Mountcastle. I think Ryan Mountcastle's in store for maybe not a big week, but a, a better week than Rutschman. Although okay. R- Rutschman, every time you take Adley Rutschman, he goes like 10 for 24. Yeah, he, he, he went <laughs> 3 for 3 last night, reached base four times, and even stole a base. He's so, hot. He's hot. Um, but he's not going to play tomorrow. So You're right. Um, he'll probably DH tomorrow. But I, I, I got to tell you, man, I really think that... Um, actually, you know what? I'll save, it, I'll save it for final thoughts. Okay. You're up first for final thoughts. Well, I... I'm going to talk about something I was going to talk about for sounding off, actually. I'll just move it into this segment. Um, We didn't really cover it. I'm so sorry. This is fine. I I read a New York Post article um, that was actually written on August 30th. It was a while ago now, but by one of my not favorite sports writers, John Heyman. Um, He does write for the New York Post, and he wrote an article about Roger Maris uh, having, in his opinion, the real home run record, and that... Barry Bonds does not actually own the real home run record. Now, we know that Roger Maris owns the American League home run record, and that's mm-hmm. what Aaron Judge is setting out to break, and he will break almost 
100% he's going to break it in the next. If I hit two homers today, he probably will do it today. Right. So Aaron Judge is going to break a 61 year old record by Roger Maris. Um, I I didn't like this article because I I think Barry Bonds is one of the most disrespected people in sports history. I really believe that. And I believe that Barry Bonds, just because of what Aaron Judge is doing, I, I don't think we should discount what, what Barry Bonds did, right? Like, the guy was, if you look at his numbers before we believe he started doing steroids, which was around, like, 2001, and by the way, I'm not condoning it at all. I think steroids are, bad for the most part, bad for the game. But what he did before 2001 and what he did without steroids in his system was still incredible. And 400 Barry, homer, 400 stolen base guy. Barry Bonds is one of the top players in baseball for year upon year. He's the best with, player in the with, game. With Pittsburgh and with San Francisco. So the guy for me is one of the great all-time players. And the fact that he's kind of being disrespected now just because of a mistake that he made. And yeah, he made a bad mistake. I'm not Again, I'm not condoning it. I don't think we should forget it just because of what Roger Maris did. And yes, Roger Maris does own a home run record that has stood for 61 years, and Aaron Judge is going to break it. But Aaron Judge is not the home run leader all time. He is not. It's Barry Bonds, and he, it will be Barry Bonds by the end of the season. I, I doubt he's going to get to 73. I can't yeah. imagine that happens. Barry Bonds is the rightful home run leader, but I wanted to get your opinion on this just because I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I you know, as much as as much as I think what Aaron Judge is doing is is really cool right now. We shouldn't discount Barry Bonds' years because of it. So where does it end, right? Because back when Roger Maris hit 61 home runs, mm-hmm. he had a 61st home run in the final game of the season, which yeah. was game 162. And it was the first year that they played more than 154 games. Right. So does John Heyman think that Babe Ruth is really the real home run king? Great question. Because he hit 60 in 154 games and Maris hit 61. And that's why the movie 61 has an asterisk, mm-hmm. asterisk next to it because he did it in 162 games. Right. Where, where does it end? And back then, they were using greenies and amphetamines yes. to, to, yep. to get the advantage. There's a reason they call it the steroid era because a lot of people were using steroids. Jose Canseco said like 95% at, uh, at one point. I mean, I mean you, you look at the, at the pitchers. Andy Pettit was using steroids. Roger yeah. Clemens was using yeah. steroids. A, a lot of these guys, John Rocker, like these guys were clearly using steroids, yeah. which is why, honestly, I think it's the reason Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Because Mike Messina pitched exclusively in the American League East for 17 years, and he had 17 straight 11-plus win seasons, and his ERA was like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to do that in the steroid era, uh, that's why Mike Messina is in the Hall of Fame. Right. right? Uh, so the point being... Barry Bonds was using steroids, but so was everybody else. Right. So was every other, almost every other hitter. Yeah. Uh, certainly every other power hitter. Yeah. I mean, Ken Kennedy's dead because of it, right? Uh, the, a lot of the pitchers were using steroids. So I, John Heyman and just about every other baseball writer has New York bias. They 100% have New York bias. Definitely. Okay. Darren Rovell said yesterday when they they they, they said which 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 ball fetches more money. Um, Aaron Judge's 62nd home run or Albert Pujols' 700th. And, oh, come and, on. and Darren and Darren Rovell said Judge, and it's not close because of the New York prestige or, or, or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, man, even New Yorkers can can understand. I mean, look, if Judge retires today, he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm yeah. not even sure he gets in at this point. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, Maris isn't in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know? Right. Um, for me, Barry Bonds was the best player in baseball, and steroids were taking the eyes, were yeah. putting the eyes on players that were considerably worse than him. Right. So he started evening the playing field. And when you saw Barry Bonds take steroids, he became the greatest <laughs> offensive player in the history of the game. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he, won, he one time reached base 
more times than he had at bats in, in a season. It's unreal. He, he became the greatest offensive freak the world has ever seen yeah. by taking steroids. Nobody else could do what he did before he took steroids, and then he took steroids and he blew them out of the freaking water. Yeah. Right? Barry Bonds is a home run champion. He's, he's a home run Correct. king. Uh, I'd be more willing to listen to the debate about the overall home run king Mm -hmm. between him and Hank Aaron because Hank Aaron was just that dude. Hank Aaron was so damn good and didn't use steroids. Okay, the steroids became no. prevalent after Hank Aaron uh, in the world. They became prevalent in the world, not just in baseball. Right, because after uh, Hank Aaron stopped playing baseball, Hank Aaron and, and Barry Bonds were not on a level playing field in that same se- because one of them was doing steroids, the other one wasn't. But Barry Bonds in that season where he hit seventy three home runs or seventy two, I can't remember which one it was. Seventy three. Seventy three. Right. That season, he was not. You know, he was on the level playing field with everyone else because, like Jose Canseco said, over ninety percent of guys were doing them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's not right. There's a reason there was a Mitchell report, right? And there's a reason that that that, that and the stuff that it's to sit there and it's your your ass is showing based on your New York bias when you say that this home run. Although Chris Davis came out and said that he thinks that the real home run record is sixty one. He said that several years ago when he was making a change. He, he just wanted to beat it. Right. <laughs> That's why he said it that. Didn't come close. <laughs> um, but so, no, when Aaron Judge hits it, yes, he is the all-time American League home run champion for a season. Not the all-time season home run king. It belongs to Barry Bonds. And I'd be more willing to listen to the argument if you were talking about Mark McGuire. Because I don't think yeah. Mark McGuire, I think Mark McGuire without steroids doesn't hit 70 home yeah. runs. You know, so for me, it's no Barry. It's because Barry Bonds was so damn good. Right. I'm trying to find a quote I wanted to find, but he essentially John Heyman compared him to to Lance Armstrong and a bunch of different Olympians that you know, Barry Bonds, of course, to a bunch of different Olympians that have you know done steroids. Lance and- Armstrong <laughs> was he, the- he 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 used he used cancer to like Lance Armstrong was a world class piece of crap. Not a good guy. No. Not 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 a good guy. And Alex Rodriguez. Is like the poster boy for steroids and vanity and Barry Bonds. Uh, yeah, he used it for vanity, and by all accounts, Barry Bonds was also not really a great human being. Although people say that he's a lot. Yeah. If he's close with you, he's like the nicest guy in the world. But Barry Bonds was just supremely more talented than everybody. Else. If you want to read a really good book about steroids, by the way, and and you know, kind of being on that level playing field like we're talking about, The Secret Race by Tyler Hamilton. Um, I had to read it actually for a class last year, and uh, it's all about. He was a friend of Lance Armstrong, he's a bike racer, and he. It's a really really good book, and he talks all about it. He's in did steroids, uh, like basically every other bike racer in that era. Really really interesting. So if you mm-hmm. want to get more insight of kind of the discussion we're having, read that book. Absolutely. Now, uh, for my final thought. Brandon High came out before Wednesday's game and said that, you know, Roof Nettledore has been great for this team, but it's time to get Taron Viver playing time and Kyle Stowers playing time and, you know, see what these guys can do down the stretch. And they are 3-0 since Vavra and Stowers were injected into the Orioles' everyday lineup. Yep. And so, look, Kyle Stowers is always going to strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. Adam Jones struck out a lot. Vladimir Guerrero struck out a lot. Um I, I don't know if Vladdy, Vladdy chased a lot of pitches, but I don't know if he struck out a lot. I think he did. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, the, the the case is, the point is, Kyle Stowers is going to strike out a lot, but I do believe that he's going to be a 260 hitter that's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs for you playing decent outfield corner defense, right? Taron Vavra, I'm not. Sure, I, I think he profiles as a as a utility guy. Yeah. But when he's right in the batter's box, and I think he's gotten himself back to a point where he's right. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a base hit every now. And, he, he's going to get a base hit. Or he's going to walk. He's yeah. gonna, he, he's going to put up a really professional at bat. If he doesn't get on base, he's he's going to have professional at bats ninety percent of the time. Sure. 
And I, I love the fact that they're in the lineup and now they're playing better baseball. Yeah. These are guys that I felt like Brandon Hyde should have been trusting far before this. And, the, you know, Vavra had like a one for 23 stretch and it, it, they, they put him on the bench. Yeah. He's not going to do that with, with Gunnar Henderson or Adley Rutschman. He's going to let these guys play through it. And Vavra's gotten himself out of it. And now he's he, the point being. I really think that this team would have been better suited to have these guys playing more. Kyle Stowers with the reverse splits has one at bat, one plate appearance against a left-handed pitcher, and it was back in June, and he got hit by a pitch. I want to see him uh, face left-handed pitching more. I want to see Vavra in the lineup every day and see what he can do and see if he can get on base. Because if you get guys on base, you're more likely to score runs. You're not so dependent on true outcomes, Right. right? So for me... Seeing these guys in there and then seeing the, the the Orioles start to play better baseball, it's not a coincidence because you're getting better at bats. Right, and and again, I, I I said this to you earlier this week, but this is the time to try guys. This is the time to put guys in the lineup because you're probably not anymore competing this year. So this is the mm-hmm. time. See what we've got for next year. Go from there. And, and look, if the Orioles win today and tomorrow, somehow they find a way to sweep the Astros. Yeah, and that'd be the, huge. And the either Toronto beats Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay beats Toronto. They're two and a half games out mm-hmm. of of a. Of a of a wild, of the first or second wild card spot, if they can somehow manage to get it to within three games going to that with Toronto going into that final three game stretch, yeah. and they can sweep that series, they're in the playoffs based on winning right. the season series. It's a long shot, but it's not over. Last week I said it was over. They had just lost five of seven. Yeah, it's not over. I'll try to do it right this time around. Daltry. Anyway, gotcha. Um, it's it's not over. They got to continue to play good baseball. The pitching has to. I'm interested to see how Mike Bauman can handle that lineup. I was looking at the at, at that Astros lineup, and it's not really all that intimidating. No, to me, it, not it's not as, it's not as intimidating as as Toronto's or even Boston's lineup. But no. they're good because they have enough good hitters, and they have pitching, and they have that pedigree of knowing how to win. Right, so uh, I'm just I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out, and they certainly have have piqued my interest rather than me being like, all right, let's just see how many wins we can get the rest of the way. Because right. there was a point where I was like, I don't see five wins left when they were at yeah. 76 and 71, and so now they've won three straight. So um, that's going to do it for us on the show. Today's show has been brought to you by Press Boxes, Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And if you can't watch, you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who's going to pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with ESPN Sal Palantonio, who might be the nicest guy on the planet, uh, Maryland football legend Vernon Davis, and Ravens legend Kadri Ismail. Find those interviews and this week's Tyus Bowser show uh, with special guest Marlon Humphrey in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at pressboxonline.com. Before we get out of here, Zach... We always talk about the Ravens. I've gone out I don't of my way I want to. to not talk about the Ravens. Look, Lamar Jackson's a, he's he's a dude. He he he's any weakness he had coming into this year, he's made a strength. Yeah, he's right. He's taken snaps unreal. directly under center. He threw for over three hundred yards and three touchdowns. He yep. ran for over hundred yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. last week. He's got six touchdown passes to the one interception. He looks like an MVP. Say so yes. he feels better this year than he did at any point in twenty nineteen. Yeah. He looks like an MVP. That defense, blown coverages, miscommunication in the secondary. They were up 35-14 to entering the fourth quarter, and they lost the football game. Yeah. 
Your, what are your concerns heading into New England for the game tomorrow? Got to have Marlon Humphrey on the field. When Marlon Humphrey went off the field, it destroyed the defense, yep. and that's that's one of the biggest things. And Marcus Peters probably not going to be the same for a little while. He's you know building back. I don't know if he'll ever be the same again. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a really tough injury to come back from. As, so as, especially uh, he's not old, but he's twenty eight. Right. I mean, the the defensive backfield is my concern. That's that's my concern, and I. That makes the Patriots game all that much easier because the Patriots' number one wide receiver is Jacoby Myers. He's Jacoby Myers, Trenton right? Not playing, and even uh, Nelson Aguilar is, the, I believe, their number two, and he's also not. I, I could be wrong in saying that, but I, I believe he's also not having um, that great of a season so far, and he's also uh, what is he thirty at this point? He's, he's probably on older the, than that. He's on the older side, so. Mac Jones, I'm not a huge believer either through the air. They do a lot of their, their attack with Damian Harris on the ground. So I don't think the defensive backfield is a huge concern for tomorrow, but got to get healthy by Buffalo week four because Buffalo will pick them apart. Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs, I mean, these guys will destroy them if they can't be competent in the defensive backfield. Got to have Marlon Humphrey on the field. Hopefully Marcus Peters gets back quicker. Jalen Armour Davis, definitely going to learn some things from his first game. Uh, Pepe Williams, same thing. Got to learn some things from, from his first rookie game. They've, they've got a lot of work to do, especially in the defensive backfield. Love the pass rush they're getting. Justin Houston looks better than he did last year. Uh, Clayus Campbell's applied some nice pressure. Got to get Adafi away more involved. I know mm-hmm. he's been double teamed a lot, but he's got to play better. He, he, he's he's got to find a way to, yeah. to, to be a disruptor. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, last week their pass rush, after Justin Houston got back-to-back pressures. Yeah. And then after that, that was in like the third quarter after that, they had nothing. And I know Patrick Queen's been really good rushing the passer this year from the middle linebacker spot, but his coverage has been bad. He's got to get better there. A lot of work to do. Yeah, a lot of work. To do. They have a lot of work to do. They did bring in Jason Pierre-Paul, but he's not. He's not won't play. Yeah. He's not going to play. He he won't even be here till next early next week to right. take his physical and sign his contract. So yeah. uh, hopefully he'll be available for the Buffalo game. But they got it. At the, and I don't have a lot of expectations for Pierre-Paul. Um, no. when, when when players sign this late. There's it, a reason. It, there's a reason for it, and they usually aren't that productive. But at the very least, I hope that he can take some some um, attention away from Owe yeah. and or Houston and get them freed up to maybe get after the quarterback that much more. You, pre- I predicted 24-23 Ravens last week. Clearly, that was wrong. You predicted what was it? 27-17 and 24-17. Uh, no, it was 23-20. I think. Okay. Yeah. It was. We both predicted very close goal. games. Yeah. Ravens ended up losing the game forty-two to thirty-eight. Don't want to talk about it. Um, it was a really, it was a bad loss. It was, a, it was a bad loss, but it's early. I remember, it is early. I remember last uh, in in twenty nineteen, the Ravens started two and zero. Then they lost to Kansas City. Yeah. And then they played at home against Cleveland and got their doors blown off, yeah. like forty to 50, like forty to twenty-five. Yeah. And they didn't lose again after that. These losses tend to happen early in the year. Yeah, you're working out the kinks. I think that they'll. I think Mike McDonald's probably is a good de- defensive coordinator. And Lamar Hopefully. Jackson, when Lamar Jackson's lining up uh, under center for you, you're going to win more than you're going to lose. You have a chance to win every time. Yeah. Sure. So I'm going to let you. Uh, I'm going to let you pick first this week. Give me 34-13 Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't believe in the Pats at all. They got blown out by the Dolphins week one. It's um, I'm looking at this and it's Bill Belichick and it's their home opener. So I think it's going to be closer than that, but okay. I think the Ravens are the better football team. Yeah. Um. And so I look at it and I say Ravens thirty-one, Patriots twenty-four. Okay. Ravens thirty-one, Patriots twenty-four. Because I, okay. I I don't think that the defense has gotten themselves to a point yet where they can you can definitively say they're going to yeah. hold anybody off the scoreboard. That's fair. That's fair. You know. Um, they did with the Jets, to be fair. But the 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 thing here, and my you were at my house last yep. week. By the way, the Ravens are zero two when Zach Goodman wa- comes over to my house. Uh, that to is watch, true. To watch football games, <laughs> um, it's my fault. Guys. But we won't hold against him. Um, 
you were there when my buddy Adam was talking uh, talking to me about it, and he said the Ravens take their foot off the gas. They do. The Ravens get up big, and they take their foot off the gas. And I used to hate the 2007 Patriots, and basically all those Patriots teams, because one of the reasons I hated them, one of many reasons, was that they would be up 35-3, to and they're still throwing 50-yard bombs in the fourth quarter. And they'd yeah. win this, end up winning those games 56-3. to Right. Right? And it's like, why, why do you need to do that? I want the Ravens to do that. Yeah. Leave no doubt. Because now we know a three-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter is not safe. <laughs> not enough. You no. got outscored 28-3 to yeah. in the fourth quarter on Sunday. Don't take your foot off the gas. Right. Keep going for the scores until there's literally no chance that that team can come back. If it's 42-3 to in the fourth quarter, okay, you can, you can take your foot off the gas. But if it's a two-score, three-score game, Go score and make it a four-score game. I could not agree more. You got to keep scoring and you got to keep that because if your defense is going to make stops, then the offense needs to take over and make the stops for you. Yeah, is basically what I'm saying. Really long show today. Sorry to keep everybody so long. Sorry to keep you so long, Zach. Uh, we will see you next week with another great guest and another great show on the Bat Round. Until then, see ya. <laughs>